And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And welcome in to the Bat Around on this Saturday, September the 7th, 2019. Stan the Fan and Craig Heist, your Bat Around guys, are getting ready to bat things around. Yeah, we Momentarily. Are. Momentarily. <laughs> that always helps, doesn't it? How are you? You've never done that before. I've never done that before. Well, but why did it happen that time? I don't know why. I, You know, I turned my phone down. Right. So that wouldn't go off. Right. It just happened to... Click on our link and uh, was going to like and share, which we want everybody to do, by the way. That is correct. Please like and share the show. It helps us build up our QM audience. By the way, we are broadcasting, as we always do every Saturday, from the live Casino Hotel Studios. Yes, all right? we are. Where I got to remind folks tonight, Norm McDonald will be there tonight. There you go. All That's right. funny man. Yes. And tickets are just, I think, 29 let me get the exact, hold on, let me get the exact price on tickets. We've got so many ads here now. Twenty nine fifty tonight, and they include that includes a $10 free slots play back to you. So really, um, your ticket is really nineteen fifty. There you go. You know, because you can take that. And that's a pretty damn good deal that is a pretty good deal and norm mcdonald very very funny uh plenty of other great shows coming up at the event center at live casino hotel we'll be telling you about them during the course of the day right uh mr heist i was in harrisburg last night right and got to see most of the harrisburg uh, i mean the Bowie bay Sox seven to five victory when uh I left. It was seven to one. Right. Uh, Zach Lowther pitched. Uh, Lowther pitched six and two thirds. Very solid innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks like a real piece for the future. And again, needs some more polish. Walked, I think, three or four batters. I did not have a scorebook, uh, you know, to score the game. Uh, but really, pretty dominant overall. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, there are players on both of those teams uh, that are going to be helpful to the organizations that they represent. That's true. Harrisburg uh, in, also. In, in the future. And uh, how how you like that little place? Well, I've been there before. Oh, okay. Out in the middle of the island? Uh, it's, yeah. it's terrific. Really yeah. terrific. Uh, good friend of mine, Mark Butler. I mean, we're not, we're not like friendly like Craig Heist and I are friendly. Uh, in other words, we really like each other, yeah, Mark exactly. Butler and I. Uh, he's the president and CEO of Ollie's. Yeah. And he owns the Harrisburg Senators right. because Ollie's headquarters is in, in Harrisburg. Harrisburg. And when they fell out of ownership and in disrepute, uh, he stepped forward about 10 or 12 years ago and bought the team. They've had three major floods at that stadium. Yes, that that, that is a problem with yeah. having the ballpark on the island like yeah. that. Yeah, but uh, they somehow piece it together, fix it up, and uh, uh, does a great job. It really is a terrific-looking ballpark. I, I try to get up there once a year at least, and uh, this year I was fortunate enough to go. When I had a day off, uh, I went up then, left the game, which was a 12-noon start, Went up to visit my cousin in Allentown. Right. And uh, so, so I did the game and then le- left and went up there. Uh, but 
it's it's a place that you can go and enjoy a game. It's a beautiful setting, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. They do a nice job up there. With Fan- it. Fantastic. The place looks great. I went out there about three, three and a half years ago when Randy Etzel was coaching University of Maryland. Mm-hmm. He was very friendly because Ollie's does a lot of advertising for with the University of Maryland, and Mark and Randy are very good friends, and we went out to a game together, and it looked it looked nice. I had just gotten to know Mark about a year, year and a half prior to that, and had been to the ballpark one time in the middle of winter. He took me for a brief tour yeah. and told me, but it looks really fantastic yeah. today. Anyway, Orioles win last night, 7-5. to five. I do not know. Were, was Delmarva, did we know, are they still alive? Delmarva was, a, was eliminated by Hickory last okay. night. Okay, that's a two out of three series, right. and uh, Delmarva lost both games. Right, and so that's, they are out. that goes to show you what can happen. You win 90 games during the course of the year, and uh, yep, yep. there it's it is. It's still a great season, can't take that Oh, no, absolutely them. not. Uh, now, the Bay Sox, and by the way, tonight – or today at 3.05 mm-hmm. is the start time in Harrisburg for game – this will be game four. four and yes. the Bay Sox are leading 2-1. to one. And the reason that game is starting at 3.05 is because Penn State plays tonight. Yes. And a lot of the Harrisburg uh, Senators audience would just stay home and watch Penn State. Who's or Penn State play They're tonight? playing Buffalo today. Oh, that's a – that's a big matchup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the twenty-nine and a half point favorites that they are. Okay, uh, is so the it's the normal Penn State little sisters of the poor early part of the schedule. Right, which right. lasts about three or four games. Right. Uh, do they play? It can't be that easy because they're in the Big Big Ten now too, yeah. like Maryland. So they play a pretty tough schedule. Maryland, by the way, plays Syracuse at today noon. at noon right. at College Park. And that game is on ESPN, correct? That game is on ESPN, and it was crazy because uh, they went from a three-and-a-half or a three-point dog to a two-and-a-half-point point favorite. favorite. Right. Maryland. Maryland, yeah. Although the Syracuse is in the top 25. They're 22nd ranked. Right. Wow. That's, yeah. that's, I was very surprised to hear that Maryland so, was as, favored. As I game. was talking to a uh, – a friend of mine, a friend of ours last night, right. something's fishy in Denmark. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope it's fishy in terms of Maryland being on top yeah, today. Yeah, me too. Because uh, I'm, I'm rooting for Mike Loxley. I'm rooting for the University of Maryland to do well. Uh, and it would really be nice if after all these years we could have a football program, you know, in our state – uh, with our biggest school in the university in the state that is relevant. You know, that's all yeah. we ask for. Don't ask them to be in the Rose Bowl every year, but just be relevant, you know. Go be, seven. be relevant, interesting, fun to watch, exactly. that kind of thing. Exactly. Competitive. Exactly. You know, Duke, and I kid about this, when I moved to Durham in 2001, Duke was in the midst of about a 12-year period where Carl Franks was the coach mm-hmm. for about five and a half or six years. Ted Roof did about five and a half or six years. And Craig, uh, g- uh, honest to God, I think between the two of them, they were like 13 and 65, right. something like that. David Cutcliffe came in, and it's been probably a dozen years now. Yeah. I was just told when I was visiting Durham three three months ago, they have completed a $180 million renovation of Wallace Wade Stadium. I wouldn't have thought 
20 years ago that would that be they would yeah. that that they would put a million dollars into that yep. because they drew seriously it didn't matter who they played in the ACC or any opponent they most they ever drew was like 20,000 but most games it was like 12,000 i understand Craig that they dug out the playing field made the playing field lower mm-hmm. to build around a whole new section of like premium seating or something like well, that. Yeah. But that's pretty intense. And and seriously, Duke has no chance of winning a major bowl game or, or being number one in the country. But relevant, entertaining, fun to watch. It's, no, it's, but they have had their fair share of bowl appearances over the last ten years. Yeah. And uh Again, uh, you know, are they going to beat a Clemson? No, but, you know, but here's the other thing with Dabo Sweeney at Clemson is the fact that I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear Dabo ever say again, well, you know, it's just little old Clemson. No, they're not little old Clemson anymore. They're the big boys. They're They're the big big boys. boys. All right, here's what we've got for you on the show today. And again, Craig and I urge you, please, if you're watching on Facebook Live, do two simple things for us. Click on like. And share. It really does help the show. Andrew Stetka is going to join us in probably about, what, five minutes? 10, 15? Yeah, five minutes. Andrew Stetka, who uh, was the son of Bill Stetka, former Orioles PR director, now the head of alumni affairs for the Baltimore Orioles. Andrew Stetka will join us, and he writes for MassonSports.com and the Utah Street Report. Uh, 10.45... uh, Craig Heist and I are going to catch up with an old friend of ours who's had a um, really tough, tough seven to ten days. Rick Vaughn, former PR director of the Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays. He now is director of Joe Madden's uh, uh, charity uh, project uh, called uh, Respect 90. Mm -hmm. Uh, He joins us in the past ten days, and he still talks like he's still a member of the Rays. He says, you know, we, we lost... Uh, the former, the original owner, uh, managing partner of the Tampa Bay Rays, Vince Namoli, who's also was a, a cousin of Mike Piazza, okay. Vince Namoli. Um, Vince Namoli passed away in the last seven to ten days, and also that terrible tragedy with the baseball pitcher who's in the Rays organization. His last name is Bivens, mm-hmm. uh, who lost his wife one-year-old son and his mother-in-law all apparently murdered by his wife's younger brother. Right. Just a terrible, terrible uh, tragedy. Um, and we'll talk to Rick Vaughn about some happier things, too, like the 1989 Orioles season, because uh, they just got to celebrate it here in Baltimore and, and about yesterday, a month ago. Although he wasn't here at the time. Yep. Uh, yesterday was uh, the 24th anniversary of Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's streak. Boy, that is. And uh, also uh, the 23rd anniversary of Eddie Murray hitting his 500th home run. He hit it on the same day, On the Cal- same day, one year later. One year yeah. later. That's interesting. Adam Pohl, the play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox, and he does a lot of other stuff for the Bowie Bay Sox. I bumped into him last night in Harrisburg. He's going to join us at 1120 to set the stage for today's game, we'll find out who's pitching. I think it's Alex Wells for Bowie. I'm not sure who's going to pitch for Harrisburg. Uh, but, boy, last night, what was his name? The guy who now I uh, went with a friend of mine, and he looked it up real quick. Um, the guy who hit the two home runs for Bowie 
is 27 years old. So he's mm-hmm. been around the block a couple times. But he hit a two-run homer and a three-run homer that got them out to a 5 to nothing lead. Uh, Fernando, Fernando, oh, God, what was his name? Can't, cannot remember his name. I tweeted it out last night. Uh, but anyway, um, Adam Pohl is going to join us to talk about that. And then, uh, speaking of sad, uh, sad stories, uh, I texted Jim Palmer on Thursday to let him to make sure that he knew that Mr. Nobody, Richard Samus, had passed away, oh. an old friend of ours uh, from the days back in Ravens Radio, and uh, he had Town and Country Pontiac. He was the head of the Pontiac Dealer Group, did an awful lot for the Baltimore Ravens when they first arrived in town. Um, he was a terrific, terrific human being, did a lot for charity. And uh, so I texted Jim, and Jim got back to me and said that he knew, he, he had known. Anderson yeah. Felice. Anderson Felice, that's the guy's name. I could not, I kept thinking it was Elvis. No. I, where did I come up with Anderson Elvis? It was Anderson Felice. He had a monster home run. His second home run is still flying, Craig. Somewhere. I mean, seriously, the uh, guy I was with said, got to be over 420 feet. I mm. mean, really a monster shot. Anyway, I then asked Jim, I said, hey, do you have a couple minutes Saturday? He says, I'll let you know tomorrow. And it turns out that then my cousin Ron Matz tweets, texts me last night, says, look at this tweet by Jim Palmer that Jim Palmer is suffering from um, shingles mm-hmm. and a very rare case where it's attacked his um, spinal column. Right. So, so uh, Jim is going to join us, though. He's still able to talk, uh, and he and I were texting this morning. We hope to have Jim on with us, uh, provided he's feeling up to it at 1135 this morning. But joining us right now is Andrew Stetka, and Andrew joins us on our uh, – Live Casino Hotel Hotline. How are you, Andrew Stetka? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm well. How are you? All right. What time is it out there? 7.15? 7.15 in the morning. And what's it, 94? Uh, it's actually a little cloudy this morning. It's probably, I haven't actually checked the temperature. I haven't been outside. Um, but uh, it's, it's a little cloudy and looking overcast this morning, which will burn off in the next hour and a half, I'm sure, and be nice and hot and sunny. All right. You ready to watch the uh, Arizona Cardinals uh, play the Detroit Lions tomorrow? Are you <laughs> excited about that one? <laughs> That's probably one I'll poke in on a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll be looking at looking at all the games, but I mean, I am kind of interested to see what that offense looks like with the new uh, the new coach and the new quarterback. It should be kind of interesting. Uh, there's there's certainly a lot of buzz out here for it. Cliff, uh, it's Cliff Kingsley and uh, Cliff, Ky- Cliff Kingsbury, yeah, Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray of course are the the pair so what's it like by the way before we start talking some baseball you've been out in Arizona now for what five years uh no actually going on nine nine years yeah god yeah. you were a kid when you time flies here. time flies and now you're a grizzled veteran but what is it like do you like Sundays uh, at 10 in the morning being able to watch a whole host of football games? I actually love it because yeah. I have become over the years a, a very much a morning person. So I'm actually, I mean, college football is the same way today. I'm up and ready, and 9 a.m. I'm going to get to watch the Maryland game, which is great. I'll get to have a little breakfast and have a second cup of coffee. And um, Sundays are the same way, 10 a.m. Uh, the games get rolling. And the even better part about it for me 
and this is the case with all sports, it, it, it includes Oriole games. You know, Oriole games are on at 4 p.m. most nights out here, which is great because they're over by 7, 7.30. Right. Um, and then you and can have a life. With, and it's the same case with the, the, the nighttime football games. You know, the Sunday night football, the Monday night football, they're, they're coming on it at 5, 5.30 in the evening, and they're done by 8.30, 9 o'clock, and I can go to bed after they're done. Well, now, you know, you, you, you guys don't change time, though, right? We don't. So actually, yeah. So so, so it's a two-hour. It's going to be a two-hour difference in some parts, times of the year, right? Right. In the winter time, it, it becomes a two-hour difference. Kind of like right, right around when you guys change clocks, and I think it's November. Early November right. is when it happens. Then it goes to you know the football games would then start at eleven a.m. Um, as opposed to ten. So we, we 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 kind of shrink that that time down to two hours. We're essentially aligned with Mountain Time during the winter, gotcha. and we're aligned with Pacific Time during the summer. So. We were talking about this, and again, we have you on to talk baseball, but what the heck, you know. Uh, <laughs> is, something, is something fishy in your mind with the with the Maryland game today? I mean, I know the 79 to nothing victory over Howard skews things a little bit, but Syracuse is ranked in the top 25, and yet Maryland is favored. Uh, they've moved into the favored position by two and a half points in this game. After being, yeah, a, three, after being a three-point favorite. Very dog. fishy, and, yeah. and I'll tell you, I looked, I looked early, early, early in the week, like right after the games ended last week for a line, because I was curious as to what it might look like. And Maryland was not favored when the when the line opened. They were they were about only about a one one and a half point underdog. And the fact that the line flipped so much the other way, it's definitely fishy. If 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 anybody listens to um to Glenn Clark Radio, we do our our picks um for for some college and and pro games. Uh, on that show, and everyone was on Syracuse taking the points um, against Maryland this afternoon, and that's not a you know obviously something we're rooting for, but right. it was definitely a little sketchy to see the fact that Maryland was so favored in that game. I it, 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 it puzzled me for sure. It, I love I love his terminology. Here. Yeah. Just a little sketchy. It, <laughs> yeah, just it, a little bit. It might have something to do with the fact that they feel or know the the smart people that this quarterback that Maryland has is perhaps the real deal. You know, there was thought that, ah, they got this guy that left Virginia Tech and he maybe he wasn't good enough to play there or whatever. But I'm being told by some people that know that this guy really is uh, pretty darn good. You're talking about the transfer from Virginia Tech, right? Yeah, Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he he's obviously has experience, and that's one of the things that, that they didn't – I mean, Tyrell Pigram has a little bit of experience from playing last year, but – that's obviously something that, that they were, you know, kind of lacking on that offense in terms of leadership and experience. Yep. And, um, you know, obviously it's, it's really impossible to judge anything off of, off of last week, um, you know, playing a team like Howard. But, you know, today's the real test for them. They get to, to go up against a team that I was actually surprised to learn was, was a ranked team. I know Syracuse has had their fair share of, right. of good wins over the last few years. But, I mean, Mike, Lock, Mike Loxley's uh, – you know, club is is you know they're they're coming up with you know some buzz around them. I mean, they've got they've got some playmakers. I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't know that they're going to be you know ranked in the top twenty five at any point this year, but um, <clears throat> but they may win a couple games that people don't expect them to. We'll remind you that the batter round is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask. From Mobile One. 
and Craig and I continue from the live casino hotel studios. And we're talking with Andrew Stetka. Andrew, let's uh, flip uh, over to talk some baseball. Um, your thoughts, the Orioles uh, playing much closer games, but still one and six in the last seven. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just kind of the way that the season's gone, right? I mean, they've, they've actually, you know, they've suffered their fair share of blowouts, but at the same time, they've played some games that, you know, it could go either way. And and it's not to say that, you know, things could have gone differently for them this year. It was always going to be this way. They were always going to be a, you know, a 45-50, maybe 55-win team when all is said and done. But with only a few weeks left, you know, they're they're right around what they, what they should be, um, you know, one of the worst teams in baseball. Yeah, it is. But, you know, and we talked a little bit about this last week. If they can find – some pitching, and I think they've found some, certainly with John Means, and I and I think there are some other pieces uh, that that they can latch on to. If they can find any kind of consistent pitching, Andrew, offensively, I think they're doing a good enough job to be more competitive. Well, there's no question. I mean, they've certainly gotten some, I mean, contributions from places that they certainly would not have expected, especially from, from an offensive standpoint this year. I mean, I think everyone expected Jonathan VR to kind of do what he's done. He's had a very good season, um, 2020, in terms of the home runs and stolen bases. Trey Mancini, overall, you know, he's gone through his slumps, but everyone does that, and he's had a very good season, um, 30 homers and, and, and whatnot. But, I mean, the fact that they've gotten the contributions that they have from players like Hanser Alberto and, and even on a, you know, a slightly lesser extent, Renato Nunez, Anthony Santander has come up in this second half and really um, done a lot of great work for them. So they've gotten some contributions <clears throat> from players that maybe wasn't it wasn't quite expected. And the offense, you're right, from an overall standpoint, you know it can it can be a lot better. But it also hasn't looked too atrocious. I mean, I, I hate to word it that way, but that's where we are right now. With right. And I and I think you know you can use the but the Buck Showalter situation with this team, but with Santander and you're talking about, you know, contributions from places that they necessarily wouldn't have thought it was going to come from. I think you have to add him into that conversation because of when he I'm first sorry, got add who into it. Santander. Santander yeah. yeah. And, uh, because of when he got here as a rule five guy up and down that kind of thing, they had to keep him for a while, but pretty much an up and down between the minors and the majors. And now all of a sudden this year, wow, he's been able to contribute to this team. Oh, trust me, I never expected to have any Oriole on my fantasy team this year, and I've had <laughs> Santander since he started hitting, and I've been, I haven't been able to move him out of the lineup. Well, I mean, that, I, you see, that's something that Stan wouldn't have done. <laughs> right. I mean, exactly. I just never expected, you know, any guy to, to contribute, but, I mean, he's played well, and he's, he's really the, – the, the more impressive thing for me is not that he's played well, is that he's stuck in the middle of the lineup. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's gotten to the point where you can't – you can't take him out of the middle of that lineup because he's just been consistent, which is not something we've seen not only from him, but really from anyone. I mean, the other guys I mentioned, guys like VR and Mancini, they've had their up and ups and downs this season, but when you look at the overall numbers, they're pretty decent. Santander, since he's come in, has really just been, you know, he's gone on a tear a week here and there and, and then dropped off a little bit. But for the most part, that, that plane has been... Fairly, fairly steady. Well, we had we had our MVP uh, voting. Uh, Is that and, known yet? Uh, it's not known yet. Okay. It won't come be known until toward the end of the year. 
And to me, I, I still don't understand why the Orioles do it a month ahead of time. But anyway, right. uh, uh, who, who would be your MVP of this team right now? Whew, that's a really, really tough question. I mean, I sent my that, vote in very early, and I voted for Mancini. But uh, yeah, that's the way you, I think you would I would vote for VR. Well. I, I would vote. I would vote for VR and then Mancini. Right. And actually, I, I, probably I John Means after that. I think it's between those two, between VR and, and, and Mancini. I mean, Means has, has Means got the All Star nod, but I think as we all know, that was kind of a out of necessity. They needed another pitcher, and it was easy to throw him on the on the All Star roster. He's had his ups and downs, especially since since that All Star game birth. I think for me, it would be between Mancini and VR. And frankly, it's it, it's kind of an interesting question as to to me the MVP this year. For for what this team is and 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 what this team is doing, it's a little more than just on field contribution. Right, and this and is just my opinion on Mancini, it. Yeah. It's more, yeah, it's more about what it, what the player means to the team and and you know, kind of the, the 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 mindset around leadership. And I think Mancini gets a slight edge there. But yeah. frankly, if if you told me I could have one player going into next year, Mancini or VR, that would be a much tougher conversation Mm -hmm. than I think um, people realize because VR gives you a little more positional flexibility um, at a position that is of more value. I think Mancini is more locked into that corner outfield, first base DH type role, of which the Orioles traditionally have had many players. Um, so I think that's a conversation that is, is an interesting one, and it's a hypothetical, obviously. I mean, there's a chance that both or neither could be on the team next year uh, going, in, going into spring training. But um, I think for me personally it would be Mancini just for that kind of more of a known quantity uh, type of, of aspect to it. And, and that's certainly fair, and the only reason I said I, I shied away from Mancini because I would be like Stan, you know, earlier on, I would have said Mancini, no-brainer. But Since he, I've cast my vote, VR has really come on. Yeah, and, 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 you know, with Mancini, I don't know whether it's a little fatigue. I don't know what it is. But, uh, you know, I was worried that uh, all of a sudden a 300 hitter was going to wind up at about 265, 270. You no, know. and he's, he's certainly fallen off a little bit. And I think if you look at the – the numbers alone, VR has certainly head and shoulders been the best offensive player on this team consistently throughout the year. I mean, he's he's been more than a, a win and a half better in WAR. He's got uh, you know now the better batting average. If you want to look at numbers like that, um, just more consistency across the table. Mancini's had more ups and downs. Um, so for sure, from an offensive standpoint, um, VR has been the better player. I, I just like I said, with what this team is doing this year and, and kind of where they're at, Mancini's kind of taken that role as the leader. It's kind of a scenario similar to in years past where um, Manny Machado may have been the best offensive player, but Adam Jones was really the leader of the team yeah. and, and kind of the, the most valuable asset of the team um, from, from, from a roster standpoint. Getting back to Santander, I just want to – pump the brakes a little bit because I've been around one of the things when you've been around as long as I have and I know one part of that is you're getting old but the other part is you've seen a thing or two about a thing or two and I'll never forget the year 1986 in 1985 both Floyd Rayford and Mike Young had had monster 
monster Junes, July, August, and September, and we penciled them in as being, well, we got these two pieces for 1986, and I'll never forget, 86 was the year that I was being critical of Eddie Murray, and Earl Weaver, who listened to my show on a regular basis, he came over to me, he says, do you think I really give a, and I could, I actually can say it on, on uh, this channel, but he said, do you think I really give an F about what Murray and Ripken are doing now? He goes, they've done it before. Their numbers will be there at the end of the year. The two guys I'm worried about are right over there, and he pointed to Mike Young and Floyd Rayford, who never again looked the way they looked in 1985. Now, there's no sign that that's going to happen to Santander, but, you know, one of the things he might have benefited from this year is just the fact that nobody pays that hard an attention to this lineup in right. scouting people and worrying who the guy, don't let him beat you because you know you'll beat the Orioles at the end of the day. I'm just saying, I hope next year we're saying Anthony Santander is a really, truly a piece to be reckoned. And going, well, and going back to a... Weaver, going back to Weaver, that's why Earl's in the Hall of Fame yeah. and right. Stan isn't. <laughs> I'm in the Hall of Shame. Yeah, okay. And even if, even if Santander is not a quote-unquote piece of this team going forward, he could very well be a fourth outfielder. Oh, no question. For for this team or for maybe another team, maybe he, he, he returns something in it. And, and we've talked about this throughout this year, guys. I mean, anything on this roster should be, should be and could be looked at as potential trade value for another team because of this constant churning of the roster and rebuilding process. But, so, let's, but let's be honest about it. You, me, and Craig, at this point in time, we believe that Anthony Santander is going to be a pretty darn good ball player, not a fourth outfielder. And I think the fans don't see the possibility that what happened with Mike Young and Floyd Rayford is even a possibility. Oh, see, I would come at the other angle on that, Stan. I, 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 I have no expectations going into next year for Santander. Okay. What he's done this year is great. You know, he's, he's hit almost 20 homers. In, in half a season's worth of games, and, and it's, it's been wonderful. And like I said, I picked him up on my fantasy team, so I'm rooting for him every yeah. night. So but, I mean, what, I have no expectation that he's going to come into spring training next year and win an outfield job. So, I mean, that's just not – the mindset that, that fans need to get around is anything that they are seeing and getting from players that, that, that weren't expected to do it, like Santander, like Hansel Alberto, like Renato Nunez, is a bonus on top of what is going to be. Because a lot of people, too, I think, in this whole grand scheme of things, in, in terms of the rebuild, I think many people are looking at this rebuild as two years in, when really it's not even a full season in. Correct, correct. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to look at last year and think, well, the Orioles were terrible, they were in a rebuild mode. But right. remember, last year this team was trying to win games. They were. And, they were. and they really only started this rebuild at the beginning of this season. Um, it, when they got Michael Elias in place. So, and that's, that's a process that really takes a year or two to even get going before that three- or five-year window can get started. So, we're, so, still so at the, we're still in February, maybe even late January, of, of, of the calendar of this process. Right. So, so when would you expect, when would you be comfortable with projecting a player like Santer, Santander 
to be really a significant piece? Would it be if he does it two years in a row, three years in a row? Well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, if he if he's still performing to this level in 2021, in the middle of 2021, and if he's doing it for the Orioles, then you can. But but at that point, uh, then you can say maybe he's a piece. But at that point, the Orioles are probably still not a winning ball club. Right. And at that point, if he's a piece for them, he's probably going to end up being a trade piece for them more than anything else, which is fine. That's the, and that would be wonderful if he could if he could become a piece that they can trade and, and get actually something of value because right now he's not that he's not he's a 24 year old who is you know having a good like I said half a season's worth of games that doesn't mean anything to uh, to, to contending teams that doesn't mean anything to teams like the Yankees and the Astros and the Dodgers but if he's doing it two two and a half years from now and he's he's put up those numbers consistently over that time span. Then he's a piece that other teams will start to look at and maybe think they can add to their roster and give something up of value in return. We're talking. If he's doing it two and a half years from now and the Orioles still aren't winning, which I would not expect them to be, then that's fine. He could be a contributing piece on a, on a losing ball club, but he could also be a contributing piece on a winning ball club and, 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 and bring something back in return. I'll have a lot more certainty after the 2020 season in what we have in Santander, and I'm, that's all I'm alerting people to and put, pumping the brakes a little bit. On I mean, the on great the thing is that, like I said, he's still young. He still has potentially, you know, if, if he's going to turn into a ball player, um, he still has five, six, seven years maybe of, of, of being a ball, a, a, a consistent, you know, good ball player. And I just, like I said, I have to tap the brakes on thinking that he's guaranteed anything going into spring training next year. Um, like I said, the, the, the sample size is just still too small for it. Uh, pitching, well, we're talking, by the way, with Andrew Stetka, and we're in the live casino hotel studios. Andrew Stetka, who writes for MassInSports.com and also the Utah Street Report. Pitching-wise, um, I happen to have fallen in love with Dylan Tate and Hunter Harvey, and maybe it's after a summer of watching the Jimmy Yacobonuses of the world uh, <laughs> that I've fallen in love with them. But um, how significant – could those two guys be to building a st- to building an, the entirety of a staff that is competent to go out and win ball games? Well, you're talking the entirety of a staff for sure, because I don't know that these guys are ever going to be, and especially the case with Harvey, through through all the the injuries that he's gone through, I don't know that these guys are ever going to quite live up to the expectations that were originally put on them. Um, but they can certainly, again, be pieces in the way that Santander could be a piece going forward. Um, Hunter Harvey has looked electric with some of the stuff he's come out with in, in the bullpen. And, um, you know, there's certainly a really good chance that he comes in as the leading candidate next year to spring training to be this team's closer um, or at least the back end of the, of, yeah. of the bullpen guy um, throwing, you know, 100 miles an hour and, and blowing guys away late in games. Um, now, what that means, again, in the grand scheme of things, are the Orioles going to be in a lot of position to, to win games next year? Probably not. Um, but he, he could be an impressive piece. The, the, the same is the case with Tate, who, whose numbers have not been nearly as good this year. But, um, you know, he's a guy who could potentially come in and, uh, late in games um, and, and, you know, maybe be a little more of a long man, less, less so than a back end of the rotation guy. Um, I know he's, he's 
put together stretches this season where he's done, you know, two, three innings at a time. So that could be his calling card. Um, and again, like in the mold of Santander, the hope is that these guys turn into pieces that could potentially be of value to other teams. I don't know for sure that Dylan Tate and or Hunter Harvey are going to be on the next winning mm-hmm. Orioles team going forward because we may be looking at four or five years down the road for that to happen. So for those guys to be in their mid-20s already, we're looking at maybe they are in their late 20s or early 30s by the time the Orioles are winning again. At that point, are they still the players that they could potentially be? Who knows? I mean, we're hoping for, for all of these young players to develop into something so that the Orioles can continue to, like I said, churn that roster and build toward a winning club. Before we let you go, uh, starting pitching. Uh, it's fair to say that uh, provided he's healthy, that Alex Cobb will get every opportunity to be a piece in the rotation. Uh, I don't see anybody being interested in acquiring Dylan Bundy from us, so I think Dylan Bundy will be back. And John Means, of course, looks like he's a piece. Uh, after that, what does this club do next year? Do you think that Block... Uh, Brooks and Wojciechowski have done enough that they get chances next spring. Do you pencil them into the rotation, or do you think the club looks elsewhere to round out its starting staff next year? Well, I mean, let's be honest, Stan. The the Orioles have used 16 different starting pitchers this year. I think it's going to be very, very similar next year, probably the year after that. They're going to continue to throw guys into that role and, and kind of see what sticks. I mean, I think you're right when it comes to, to Cobb and Means and Bundy as being the, the kind of the leading three candidates, if you will, for, for starting rotation spots next year. But between poor performance, injuries, who knows if those guys end up making the most starts on the team next year. If you remember, it was a similar situation coming to this year um, in terms of it being Bundy, uh, Kashner, and, and Cobb as, as kind of the three guys that everyone knew would pretty much be in starting roles um, in whatever role. And then it, they kind of filled in those last two spots, and John Means stepped up and took one of them. And, you know, there's been a kind of a mix and mash of, of guys in that fifth role, if you will. Um, so whether it's David Hess or Wojciechowski or Brooks or, you know, any of these guys, and I'm sure there will be many, many new faces that come up. I mean, if you remember, Nate Carnes was thought to be, you know, a guy who might start games for this team early in the year, and 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 that didn't obviously work out at all. So there will be pitchers like he did that. Start, he did of, start one as an opener. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, you know what, Nate Carnes too battling some injuries as well. So of course, and and but I, but my point is, I think going into next year, when you look to fill out a rotation, there will be one or two spots similar to where there was this year, where it's just guys. There's just going to be guys thrown in there, whether they're guys like Nate Carnes who have had injury history and are trying to come back, and the Orioles are just looking to for innings. They they need to to eat innings with some pitchers, and and they're going to do it plenty with. Pictures that they think could be something going forward. Um, And they're going to do it plenty with pitchers that are trying to build or build back value like Dylan Bundy. I mean, they would love to trade Dylan Bundy. Don't get me wrong. But right now, who's going to take him and for what? I mean, you're not going to get anything 
for Dylan Bundy at this stage in his career. Um, if he comes back next year and has a, you know, a mediocre season, maybe they could get something. But I'm not saying it's going to be something of value. I mean, you're talking about a pitcher who will be um, 27 at that point and, you know, certainly has not shown an ability to perform as, as anyone thought he would. And, and not only that, but an ability to stay healthy. I mean, he's just, been, he's just had an injury-riddled career at this point. Andrew, so there's going to be a lot of moving parts in that rotation for sure. All right, my friend. We appreciate it as always. Andrew Stetka, who writes for MassonSports.com and also Utah Street Report. Enjoy the football weekend too, Andrew. Appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Thanks All so much. All right. Thank you. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back, and we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season, including tomorrow. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him in the moment, joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Pressbox's Ken Zales, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Pressbox Project Game Day is made possible by great partners like the Costas Inn, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmission, Glory Days, Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like Pressbox on Facebook at facebook.com slash pressboxsports and watch Project Game Day there every day this season. Baltimore's favorite sports bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill just steps from Camden Yards is the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports with all the big events on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great space upstairs on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. See them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit Sliders today. Craig. Yes. It's time to tell people a little bit about one of our favorite places, the Costas Inn. All right. Well, you want to do it or what? <laughs> I, I just did two no. long spots. All right. Good enough. Uh, Costas, breath. Costas Inn oh, at 4100. my age. Has to pace himself. Yeah, that, I knew I was in here for a reason. <laughs> 4100 North Moyne Boulevard, that is the home of the Costas Inn. As Nick and Pete Triantopoulos treat you the right way. Great menu specials each and Tell every day. Tell the people day. why they're so special. Because Pete basically runs the place, okay? Right. Nick is just Nick takes credit, credit for it. Right. <laughs> and it's really kind of a fun thing to watch. <laughs> but anyway... You can go in there and get uh, great menu specials each and every day. Crab cake night on Monday night, rib night on Tuesday night. It's steak night with half-price bottles of wine on Wednesday. Lobster night, had one of those the other night, plain or stuffed. You can get it with that great crab imperial. And then, uh, you know, four to five specials on the menu each and every day at the Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. The best steamed crabs around crab cakes you can ship them all over the country uh to people that aren't fortunate enough to live in this area 410-477-1975 is the phone number you need to make your reservations to get crabs at the costas inn around here there are two kinds of chicken royal farms world famous chicken and everything else What's the difference? Royal Farms chicken is always fresh, never frozen. It's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store. Chicken from anywhere else? Who knows? 
Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms World Famous Chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill is at 504 Washington Boulevard, just steps away from Camden Yards. It's the perfect sports bar for every season. This is the perfect time to book your private party or take the office to lunch. Feeding clients, take them to Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar, Sliders, for great food and drinks with some local atmosphere. You can book your private event on the second floor or on the outside patio, both overlooking the best stadium in baseball. See all of Sliders' daily specials or book your party at slidersbaltimore.com sliders baltimore's neighborhood sports bar visit them today in birdland summer looks a lot like strolling under the lights on utah street diving into a juicy boogs barbecue sandwich snagging exclusive giveaways and tagging your friends to get theirs too saving big with kids cheer free or sipping on an ice cold brew on the budweiser roof deck while jamming out to the all-new birdland summer music series Whatever gets you going this summer, Oriole Park has you covered. And all you need is your ticket. Be part of it all. Orioles.com. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasIn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Press Box's Project Game Day is back as we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Press Box's Ken Zalis, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Press Box's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners. Costa Sid, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like Press Box on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports and watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. The Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich has come to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. A boneless breast of chicken marinated with a special blend of seasonings and grilled for a tender and juicy backyard grilled taste served on a toasted buttered sweet yeast bun with Colby Jack cheese, bacon hand-tossed in a brown sugar and pepper blend, and green leaf lettuce. Topped with zesty Smokehouse Barbecue Sauce, have it with their real lemonade and the famous Chick-fil-A waffle fries for a late summer meal that satisfies. Nobody waits for food unless they choose to. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers the super fast service you count on. Dine in, drive through, or pre-order with your Chick-fil-A app, and it'll be ready when you get there. Plus, if you use the Chick-fil-A app, you automatically accrue points for free food. There's no better time for Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square than today. 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Catering available. This is former Trump AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Hoster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. 
And we remind you the batter round from the live casino hotel studios is brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. We also want to tell you that amazing shows continue in the live event center at the live casino hotel this fall, including tonight, funny man Norm McDonald. That's tonight, the 7th of September. Tickets start at just $29.50, include $10 in free slots play. Other shows coming to the live event center this fall include Grand Funk Railroad, Boz Skaggs, Kenny Babyface Edmonds, Gladys Knight, Michael Bolton, and more. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. And joining us now on our Live Casino Hotel hotline, and we got their, them mentioned a good bit there. Yes, the we did. 30 seconds is my good friend and Craig Heist's good friend. And, God, it's got to be close to 35 to 40 years we've known you, Rick Vaughn. Rick, how are you? How are you guys? How long have we known each other? What was your Boy, first year with the my, Orioles? Uh, I started uh, Thanksgiving week of 1984. Wow. was so my first six, uh, So it's 35 years. It's 35 years. Orioles. Wow. Yeah, so so you were responsible it. for the Tigers' thirty-five and five start, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome, man. I mean, just as a baseball fan, yeah, I'll never really forget was. that. So, who hired you at the Orioles, Bob Brown? Yeah, Bob Brown uh, was the PR director then, and I, uh, you know, I I was living over in Virginia at the time. So the first year, I had to drive that commute every day, and I uh, when, the, when during the season, I stayed with a buddy of mine. You know, because we don't get out you know you don't get out of the ballpark till midnight and you got to be back the next morning but so for the first year i was living in virginia uh, and but loving it you know loving it and getting to work for an organization it was kind of a cool time because they were still it was still kind of a mom and pop operation you know uh williams ever been at williams had bought the team and larry lucchino was running it and it was starting to kind of be a corporation but it was still kind of a mom and pop for a few years and i loved it you know everybody was close it was a small group of people in the front office and i was so lucky to work with um bob brown and phil itzo who had such an impact on on my career just on how to behave you know how you act as a as an employee of major league baseball and the other thing is this is kind of uh sad i just um See, it was about uh, six months ago. I went to Tom Giordano's uh, funeral. Tom was the farm director sure. here, and was uh, still working at ninety-two. I think he was when mm-hmm. he passed. Uh, he was still working um, with the Braves, and I met him my very first day on the job. Isn't that something? Wow! And we stayed, and we stayed close. You know, we stayed pretty close all those years. Uh, we stayed pretty good friends, and he lived up in Orlando, so we got together with him a lot and he was in our press box in Tampa Bay a lot. And, and he was another one. I mean, that was such a good time to be in that organization. You know, it was the end, you know, it was towards the end of the, of the really good years, yep. but it was still, it was still felt like home to me. It still felt like a great place to be. And, now, and Memorial stadium was a great place to grow, you know, to kind of grow up in it. So that's my career sort of grew up in that ballpark. And I have such great memories there. I now, can't tell you. Now, you credited Phil Itzo with teaching you certain things, but Bob Brown, when he hired you, was probably the gold standard of PR directors in the, in the game. What, what did he teach you that has stuck with you all through the years? 
Yeah, I, that's one of the reasons I took that job because the Orioles PR, well, well, the Orioles front office really, but the PR operation was really considered, like you said, the gold standard. And and Brownie was tough, very oh, tough. God, was um, tough. you know, he was a he he really was, and uh, you know, I he and I were not exactly the same personality, but and he was, but what he taught me more than anything, I, I thought I knew what thoroughness was. Yeah, before I went there. And man, I didn't know anything about being thorough. <laughs> he was unbelievable. He was meticulous. He was, I mean, it was, it was, that's, that's, I think more than anything, he taught me to complete the job, which is something my, my dad used to always press on me. But I mean, just to, to be completely exact and not leave any stone unturned and, he just, to me, he was the greatest at that. He he really was, and he loved the game so much, and he really understood the game. You know, he I think he could have been a scout if he wanted to. No you know? question about it. No question about it. Uh, we're talking with Rick Vaughn, former Orioles PR director, former Tampa Bay Rays PR director, and now the uh, director of Joe Madden's foundation, Project 90, uh, and you still work uh, very hard with Joe Madden. But I want to ask you um, – Bob Brown taught you thoroughness and being prepared for things. Couldn't have possibly prepared you for the last 10 days that you've had. The passing of the man who hired you in Tampa, Vince Namoli, and and this terrible tragedy with the young pitcher in the Tampa organization, Blake Blake Bivens. Your thoughts on on both situations and and how you get through these things. Yeah. Um, You know, in Vince's situation – his passing was a blessing. He had gotten really ill the last four or five years, a very debilitating uh, injury, uh, injury, not an injury, a disease of the brain. It was mm-hmm. sort of a paralysis of, of a lobe of his brain. And it was not something that you're ever going to recover from. And it, and it was a, it was a difficult last four or five years for him. So I think a lot of us had been praying that the end would come soon because it was, it was really tough. And it was, it was hard. I wouldn't have been down here if it wasn't for Vince. Yep. You know, the team wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Vince. I mean, Vince's, you know, on, on Vince's statue, if they ever build one here, it should say, you know, candidly, he was the right guy to get the team. Yep. He may not have been the right guy to run it. And yep. that was the thing, you know, he wasn't, you know, these guys that are self-made guys, they don't, you know, they, they made their money because of themselves. You know, they don't listen to people very often. And he was not good at, at trusting people. And it really once he got life in a fishbowl of being an owner. And, you know, the other thing in his defense was, think about it, we got the team there in 95. We didn't start playing until 98. They didn't sign any uniform people until 97. So for two years, he was the persona of the team. And you know what? That's not a good thing. And if you look at what the Diamondbacks did at the same time, they came in at the same time that we did, they hired Buck Showalter. Yep. Now, Buck had just gotten the manager of the year with the Yankees, and I don't know what happened, but he you know, was out of the Yankees. They hired him, and for two years, Buck was the face of that team. When you thought of the Diamondbacks, long before they played a game, you knew Buck was going to be their manager, and he was a great face for the team. Yeah. And he, he embraced the role, and it really helped him. And us, we had the owner. you know. And even if you're a good owner, people don't care about the owner. They right. want to know, you know, that's not what you want is the persona of your team. And then once things started going south and he still was the persona and we kept losing. He still remained that persona of the team. And that just wasn't a healthy uh, thing for us. And, 
credit the Diamondbacks for doing a really that was a great hire. You know, you couldn't have had a better hire. You got a guy who's terrific uh, image for them, no nonsense, good manager, manager of the Yankees, and then he's going to be manage your club too. And he, so he's around when you're drafting in '96 and drafting mm-hmm. in '97, and he's got a hand in that. And that was a we never, you know, that was a great coup for them, and and, a, and really a, a loss that we didn't follow that uh, track. So Vince was, you know, Vince was just the wrong guy to have as uh, at running the club. He, I told him a couple times. I said, you know, I gave him a list one time of ten things after about our first year, and I said, Vince, if we can just do some of these, we're mm-hmm. going to be a better franchise. And the number one thing was hire a president to do the day to day. Don't do the day to day yourself. But he, of course. He couldn't give up that power. And then the minor leaguer that we lost, uh, Blevins, you know, he, he had been in the system since 2014. And um, so all of a good number of our major league players knew him. Uh, we're devastated, you know, at what happened. And our farm director, uh, I couldn't say, I shouldn't say our, I'm not there anymore. Yeah, but, but I know how you of, feel. Yeah, It's hard to get that out of your yeah. system. But uh, Mitch uh, Lukovic, our farm director, knew uh knew him very well, you know, for the last six years. And uh, it was really, really tough on, on all of our guys. And our uh, they did a press thing down in Montgomery because they were on the road when this happened, and then they came home. They had a day off, and then they were playing the net the following night. And um, they did a, you know, had an open clubhouse for the media. And the, the, the emotions down there were just pure raw. Yeah. I mean, no one could contain the way they felt for this kid. I, I've never quite experienced anything. I mean, Tim Hewlett, when he lost a son, yep. oh, yeah. uh, was never terrible. Forget that. But, but, never forget that. But, but the combination of what this kid lost, you really wonder how he's going to be able to, to soldier, yeah. soldier on to make his career no. seem important to him. You're right. You're right. You know, it's funny that you mentioned Tim Hewlett because I was there when that happened and yeah. Roland Heeman was the GM, and I'll never, ever – it was probably – I think it might be my worst day in baseball. Worst day, I, I years, would think so. You know? yep. It was uh, Roland. I'll never forget it. The team, I was not on the road. The team was in Chicago, and um, and Timmy's son was killed, struck by a car. And Roland had to make that phone call. And then, you know, Roland came down to my office, and the team, you know, Tim was flying back immediately from Chicago for this. And Roland came down, and he said, uh, let's go to the airport and pick up Tim. And, uh, mm. you know, that was a pretty courageous thing for him to yep. want to do. Yep. yep. And then we stayed with the family the whole time. We were at the hospital with them. We were mm. in the waiting room waiting for the doctor to come out and mm. tell us that there was, you know, the only thing they could do would be to, uh, you know, do the organ donor uh, right. card. And so it was such a horrible thing. But Roland, uh, Roland was, he was unbelievable. I mean, he was That's, like a priest, you know, in yeah. a way. Not, I mean, he just couldn't have been more caring for the player. And then, you know, that was another thing that I learned from the Orioles organization was to, for, to have empathy and to have sympathy and to, and to you know, be there uh, for your players and the people in the organization. That was definitely a Roland Heeman thing right there. Uh, you know, I, I just keep thinking about Blake's situation, and, and, and I think Stan brings up a very good point in that you're talking about a guy who's trying to make his way in, in, in baseball, and now you just wonder from the mindset whether or not that's going to be able to happen for him now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wonder I wonder what uh, – I mean, there's still so much stuff that has to – you know, that he's got to oh. try to fight through here. But, I mean, I wonder at some point 
Uh, my guess is hopefully the Rays uh, would offer him a, a job, you know, in baseball. I mean, yeah. I, I think the fact that he was in the system since 2014 probably tells you that he's probably, you know, was not a top prospect. Yeah. But he certainly has years of experience of being in in a system and, and how it works. And uh, I hope something like that happens for him. I, I, it would be way too early to even think about it. But maybe yeah. after the you know, his life, if it ever gets to a little bit of a settling point, that maybe that might be an opportunity for him. Hope so. Uh, Rick, let me ask you this. Uh, since uh, you were gone, I think, by this time, but uh, yesterday we celebrated uh, yeah. tw- the 24th anniversary of Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's streak. And I, <laughs> yeah. and I, always, I, I know you were gone by that time, but I'm, I always talk to people and they always ask me, What's the what you know? What's the best thing you've ever covered or been a part of? And I said, well, that question, those two nights at Camden Yards, and yeah. uh, it's it's number one. It's hard to believe it's been that long, and then number two, uh, a, a year later to the day, Eddie Murray comes back and hits his 500th home run. <laughs> I was there. I can't, I wasn't working with the Orioles at the time, but my wife and I went to the, the uh, record-breaking game. In fact, we weren't too far from where Cal's home run landed. We were yeah. probably we were probably sixty feet away from where that ball wow. landed uh, out in the outfield, and we had a we had such a great time. And uh, was uh, that off of was that off of Sean Bosky? Yes, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Because yeah. 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 I remember I remember yeah. Messina. Messina winds up well. He homered in twenty one thirty and homered in twenty one thirty one. But Messina always said he said. You know, I give up a home run to Jim Edmonds, and or I'm sorry, to, uh, who was it? Tim Salmon. Okay. He said I give up a home run to Tim Salmon, and then all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, this is a record night. I can't lose this ball game. I better get going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, my boss Joe Madden was at that game. You know, he was a coach for the That's Angels. That's right. So he, yeah. He was yeah. There, yeah. <clears throat> who was yeah. managing the Angels? Was it Buck Rogers? I think. I, that I, I bet right. it was. I, I bet it was right. Buck yeah, Rogers. I think that's right. I think I'll, that's right. I'll give you a little t- tidbit that you probably didn't know. On the day that Cal tied it, the, I mean, September 5th this year, uh, his son homered in a game, uh, in a playoff game. Oh, for, wow. and, yeah. and Cal was there at the game. Oh, that's that so game. cool. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And, and then, and then um, that, same, that same night, uh, not only does, does Ryan homer, but Preston Palmero yep. comes up with a huge hit late in the game down the right field line to, to drive in, uh, I think, that go-ahead run anyway. I think it was. Wow. That's very cool. We're talking with Rick Vaughn, former PR director of the Baltimore Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays, and he even goes back to when they were known as the Devil Rays. Um, Rick, we'll keep you just a couple more minutes. Uh, your thoughts on the kind of team Tampa is putting out there this year, I mean, you got to really say when when you think about it, losing Tyler Glass now the way they did back in May, losing Blake Snell about a month ago, and it doesn't look like he's going to get back this year, and yet there they are knocking at the door of the postseason. Yeah, you know what? They have a. Here's why they're probably going to be good for a while. They have an unbelievable amount of depth at young pitching. Yep. They have, they can do what they're doing. I mean, you know, they had some injuries this year and there's no, that they also lost Chirinos, who was their number three yeah, starter, who in some ways was as consistent as any other guys. And, uh, but they have tremendous, uh, tre- tremendous depth at their pitching, uh, right now. It's, it's incredible. They, and, and 
you know, they are innovative. They are creative. You know, they've really refined this thing now where they, you know, their, their mantra, even with Snell, I think this year was, you know, they didn't want him going around the lineup three times. You know, right. Blake pitched a lot of five innings this year. And, um, you know, they, they really believe that. And, and um, I'll tell you why I think they're going to hold on and win the wild card. One of the wild cards is because, you know, because of the way the rules still reads where you can bring up, you know, 1,000 pitchers if you want after <laughs> September 1st, you know, it's going to change next year. But they're going to have – you're going to see them – I don't think anybody's going to want to even play them in the postseason because you're probably going to see five or six pitchers all the time. I mean, I think Glass now – they're going to limit his innings when he comes back. But you know what? He's going to start and go three innings, and then you're going to see five or six other pitchers the rest of the way. That's pretty tough, you know. It is. And, they, and these guys have got some pretty darn good young arms. And, and they've, I, you have to give them credit. They've done a great job with young pitching in there. Uh, and, and so I think they're going to be good for a while. You and know? and really you know do. what? I, I think Kevin Cash does a great job. I mean, just no you know, piecing all that together. Uh, they were the innovators in terms of the opener, quote-unquote. And I just think he does a tremendous job uh, coordinating all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they had, you know, they, they sort of were forced to do something last year because, uh, you know, they just didn't – they had a, a shortage of starters last year. And they still uh, they still need to develop some more starting pitching. But they've got a lot of young arms that can come out of the pen. And all of them come in and they throw 96, 97. They don't walk anybody. They really uh, – they've done such a great job in their system uh, – you know, and and that's the thing. And then they've added some good pieces. I mean, I I don't know who the G, the person at the the Pirates uh, who was responsible for trading uh, Chris Archer uh, for Glass now and for Meadows, but yeah. I wouldn't allow that guy in a ballpark anymore. And that was right. probably the, that's going to be that's that might be. Milt Pappas, Frank Robbie might be the worst trade ever. This one's going to be right know, underneath that's, it. That's, that's, that's you've a, got Meadows mm. is a terrific young player. Yep. And Glassnow, you know, I guess because he's tall, he's like 6'7". And, and some people don't like that because there's a lot of moving parts to a guy that big. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong, you know, when the guy's that big. And and But you know what? He's He's got an electric arm, and Meadows is unbelievable. I mean, he's going to hit 30 home runs. He's going to hit 280 or 290. He's going to drive in 90 runs, and he missed a couple weeks. So, he's uh, like I said, whoever was responsible for that trade on the Pirates' side. <laughs> well, I love Chris Archer, and he's a friend of mine. But what they gave up was uh, – that was ridiculous. Well, now wait a minute. You you, know? you 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 pitched, and you're a pretty tall guy. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there, I'm a good example. It doesn't really work all that well. <laughs> you know, you know, with Chris Archer, by the way, I think what happened they got they got an, so enamored with how great race Searage is with veteran pitchers right. that yeah. they may have thought, you know what, we, we got a chance to get a really special veteran pitcher and make him yeah. better. And it just hasn't happened. It's uh, unusual. Hey, yeah, Ryan, he's, I mean, Arch has got great stuff. Yep. He, he really does. He just, you know, he just hasn't been consistent for them. And he really, you know, and, and I love Arch. I mean, he's a good person. And he, I consider him a friend. But, you know, he just hasn't, you know, he just hasn't become the pitcher that he could be. You know, and, and he's still young. He, he still could do that. But he still, you know, he still hasn't gotten there yet. You know, and that's a shame. Hey, you're you're a great PR guy, so I know you'll handle this with a plum. If there are three options with your friend Joe Madden in Chicago, that somehow a the Cubs re-sign him for three years, b 
they decide to not bring him back or see they want him back and he decides to go elsewhere, how do you think that will play out? <laughs> That's a great question, Stan. It really is, you know. And you can say, I, you know what, I'll let Joe Madden speak. Well, no, I won't say that. I mean, I, I, look, I don't like to pry unless with his yeah. business on stuff like that, unless he offers it up, and, and, and he does. We're good friends. We've worked together since 2006. Right. So, you know, he. I know this. He loves Chicago. He loves the city. Mm-hmm. He loves the spotlight that comes with managing the Cubs. He, he embraces all of that. He loves his support staff there. Um, he loves it. He loves it all. I yep. mean, it's such a great city. Um, do I think that this situation this year has hurt him mm-hmm. uh, psychologically? A little bit. And mm-hmm. Joe doesn't let much bother him. The thing that, that the best thing about Joe is that Joe, at least for me, was always an energy source. If I was not feeling right or I... If I was around Joe for 15 minutes, I I don't I would leave and I was in a better mood. I just felt better about myself or whatever the situation. And so Joe Joe's always going to have he's always going to be an energy source. He's always going to rise above anything like that. That's what his strength is. That's what Joe's strength is. His positivity and not you know and really p- getting people to buy into that positivity. That's his strength. But. I think he is hurt by this. Yeah. Um, I think if, 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 if you're asking me, I think what he would like to have happen, of course, is to stay. Okay. That I think he wants to stay. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to. And you know what? I mean, if they, they've, they've just been so inconsistent, especially on their offense, you know, they just haven't, they can't put these guys. Now, Bias is out longer, so yeah. it's going to be a tough uh, row here. I think they're going to make the wild card. I don't know about the division, but. We'll see what happens. I mean, right. uh, I would think the fact that they haven't offered him a contract, they're kind of saying, you know, uh, you know, hey, this has got to improve or you're not here. Yeah. We're going to make a change. And last year they got knocked off, you know, right in the that, first uh, game that, there. So That led me to my, my C, which was he just sort of is feeling like, you know what, I, I should be appreciated more here and I'll just choose where I want to manage again. And well, I'll tell you this. Yeah. I'll tell you, and that's and, and that's a, you know that's a, those three options are exactly what is out there for him. Yeah. And I will tell you this: he he knows he does a good job. I mean, he knows he's a good manager. He's not you know he's not blind to this stuff. He knows he's going to have options to continue to manage. Mm-hmm. So you know, if it comes to that, then you know yeah. I you know, I think he as much as he wants to stay there, he would embrace a change. I he, hear he definitely you. would. You know, he would. And there's going to be some opportunities because, you know, Joe's really good at changing cultures, you know, uh, at changing yeah. the culture of a clubhouse of getting people to have fun. You know, Joe's a big believer in, you know, right now it's either, you know, most of most most of the clubs are all about analytics. Joe is a you know, here's something people don't realize. Joe was into analytics before people realized it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, and this was back when he was doing stuff with the Angels minor league system. So he embraces it, but he isn't 100% analytics. He still believes in the heartbeat. You know, he still wants to be able to, to take, uh, you know, how a guy's feeling or what his thoughts are, whatever. He wants to add that to the equation, and I, I think that makes him pretty unique. You know, most of these teams are, you know, the Rays are very, 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 very heavy analytics, and I don't think the emotion's there much, and Joe likes to include that. So he's going to put his stamp on wherever he goes. He can change the culture. He can make players play better you know he puts them in a position to play better and feel better about themselves and so Rick. it's going to be very interesting to see I, I obviously want the cubs to win the world series more than anything 
Um, but if it doesn't, let's see what happens. You know, he's going to be just fine, and he's not worried about it at all. He's very – I had breakfast with him last week. He's really locked in on the Cubs right now. All right. Rick, many thanks. I told you we'd have you on 15 minutes. You did close to 25. Thank oh, you. Good. Thank you. Anytime, it was a joy. Guys. It was a joy to talk to you again. You know, you know my uh, my top 100 things I miss about Baltimore. Both of you guys have made the top 100. Wow! That's, Thank uh, you. I'm honored. I was going to. Well, what made number 98? We know we were 100. And which of us was 100, and which was 99? I, I was. I was actually 101. <laughs> Hey, Rick, we didn't even get a chance to talk about 1989 because the club just celebrated its 30th I know. anniversary. I, yeah, I was so that was great to, to be back, back, have here. those guys back in town. Rick, thanks yep. very much. Appreciate All right, guys. It. Have a great weekend. All right. <laughs> hey, we want to welcome on board, and uh, Adam Pohl will be with us in about five minutes. But we want to welcome in Glen Burnie Transmissions as a sponsor to the show, located right in the heart of Glen Burnie for almost 60 years. If you suspect you're having a transmission problem, GBT can save you hundreds of dollars over taking it to the local dealers for repair. Make an appointment for a free diagnostic and an estimate. Call GBT at 855-728-1841. Their mission is simple, to provide excellent service at a reasonable price. Go to their website at gbt-online.com and check out all of the five-star reviews. Let my friend Mark Schwartzman and his GBT team take the troubles out of transmission troubles. Call them today at 855-728-1841. And I also wanted to welcome back our good friend, Mr. Ken Zalis. Ah, fantasy. uh, That's right. Absolutely. That's right. He's back, and he can help you fulfill all your fantasies. Well, your football fantasies anyway. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show is every Thursdays now at 11.30 a.m. KZ helps you set your lineup for all of your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. Joining us right now is... Adam Pohl, the play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. And, Adam, that game when I when I left with my buddy Matt Dreyer, the uh, Bay Sox were in front 7-1. to one. <laughs> And uh, next thing we know, we're listening to the Oriole game, driving home, uh, and all of a sudden they Steve Molesky starts talking about the game, and it was 7-5. What the heck happened? Yeah, it got a little interesting. You know, I, I mean, that's a tough team to put away. They, they scored – Four runs with two down in the eighth inning, and they had a runner first with two down. They got two straight singles, the second of which bringing home a run. And then uh, their nine-hole hitter, Rhett Wiseman, has been a sub-200 hitter since he had a great April. He's he's turned into the Rob Deere of the Eastern League, and uh, he ran into one and hit a three-run home run, and all of a sudden, the, you know, we were biting on our fingernails a little bit. But the only tough thing about that is that Bowie had to use uh, their closer, Christian Alvarado, to close out that game yesterday. And, you know, you would have loved to be in a place where you didn't have to do that and had him fresh going into today. Obviously, he'll be available today uh, in a closeout possibility for the Bay Sox. But, you know, if the ball game's, let's say, 2-2 in the ninth today, uh, knowing that a possible game five would be tomorrow, and if you pitch him today, you can't pitch him tomorrow, uh, obviously he probably won't be in the game. So 
Uh, so it, it did cost Bowie in a, in a sense. So it would behoove you to wrap that thing up tonight. <laughs> you know it. You know it. We we want to feel the Orioles' magic tonight. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's it. When we say tonight, it's three oh five is the start time. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Yes. So you're not eating dinner. You're eating supper. But, you're eating but it's supper. <laughs> all right. Who's who's pitching today for both clubs? You know, it's going to be a very interesting matchup because Alex Wells is Bowie's starter. One of the things about this series is that the Bay Sox could not set up their rotation for the series because of the fact that they clinched the playoff berth in game 139 of 140. So, in essence, uh, their number four starter, Tyler Hurd, pitched in game two. Probably their number one starter pitched in game three last night in Zach Lowther. And Wells, you know, Wells has had a tough close to the season. Maybe he's worn down a little bit. Uh, he's 0-5 in his last seven or eight starts, uh, but uh, two starts ago, he threw a great game against Redding. He just left with a one nothing uh, contest in the seventh inning. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, Harrisburg is not a big power-hitting team. Wells is a fly ball pitcher. Uh, it's kind of a bigger ballpark, especially to the alleys here. Uh, so hopefully he gives us a good start. And, you know, one of the big things about this series is that uh, with the Nationals AAA being in Fresno, they, in effect, used AA like a AAA spot this year. So they had five players go to the major leagues uh, here for the September call-ups. So they have five players that, that uh, one-fifth of, one of their roster are guys up from Advanced State Potomac. And their starting pitcher today will actually be making his AA debut. He was Potomac's best pitcher, uh, Carson Teal. Well, i got to tell you something, and we, we encourage people – and it's not that far a drive to get up That's to right. Harrisburg. It's, 50, it's 55 miles. F- 55 miles. Just, you know, get on Hop 83. And go. Go. And, you know, I, we always talk about how great our minor league ballparks are around here. Right, right. With, with Salisbury and, and, and down, in, you know, for Delmarva and, and, and up in Bowie and then Frederick. But I'll tell you what, that, that ballpark that Harrisburg and the Senators play at, out on the island, that's about as neat a setting as there is. I agree, Craig. It's really neat. It's it's interesting. There are certain things about it that I think are very unique. Because it's on an island, the ballpark is really lifted up off of the ground, per se. So yeah. you'll never see a player go into the stands and bring one back in foul <laughs> territory because uh, the fans are sitting 10 to 12 feet above uh, the field because it floods so often. Yeah. So, um, it, it's really a, really a cool place. And uh, um, uh, obviously, that the only thing about it is that downtown Harrisburg, which is very scenic, is actually behind the stadium. So when you look out through center field, you don't have the look of downtown, which I think would be neat. Uh, but, uh, but you know, you can't have it all. So it, it, it's a beautiful ballpark. And, and Stan, I'll tell you, we, we saw some orange in the, in the crowd last night. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And again, i repeat, the game time today is 3.05. Correct, 3.05. Uh, it's a, it's yes. a pretty easy drive, 55 miles. It takes just over an hour to get up to Harrisburg. Everything's very affordable there, and uh, I think you'd have a great time watching Alex Wells pitch. Um, of all the, the things you've called in your years doing Bowie Bay Sox baseball, right? Ryan Ripken's home run with Cal in the stands <laughs> had to be one of your more special moments, wouldn't you think? Incredible. Isn't it wild? You know, the, the thing about me is uh, this is a hard industry to get into uh, in calling games, uh, you know, in minor league baseball. The majority of, <laughs> of broadcasters are not calling for the affiliate that they grew up rooting for. For instance, Terry Byram is the voice of the Senators for the last 15 years. He grew up a huge San Francisco Giants fan, mm-hmm. and here he is calling the Nats double A. So 
I'm just so fortunate in that regard. I mean, uh, I was two years old when Cal Streak started. I grew up a huge Orioles fan. I was a senior in college when it ended. <laughs> I still remember where I was yeah. uh, when I was told he wasn't in the lineup. And uh, to have his son uh, on the team and, and to be such a remarkable uh, young guy and uh, having a great season at Bowie, it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Well, let me tell you what happened the night that he decided to end that thing <laughs> was we were all up in the press lounge eating dinner, and it was a Sunday night game. Because I was it, at the Orioles game was home that day. He is, yeah, well, that's something. I mean the I mean the Ravens. The Ravens, grown. okay. Well, yeah. oh. and 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 we're all sitting up there because it was a Sunday night game, and it was the part of the time where ESPN would move the Sunday night game to ESPN two because of countdown and all the rest of that, and the Sunday night right. football. And we're all up there eating, and then all of a sudden, John Maroon comes on the uh, PA and says, "There's been a change in the Oriole lineup." <laughs> Ryan Miner will start at third base, and you never and that's saw. What he said he didn't announce. Right, Kyle he, says, he says Ryan Miner will start at third base, hitting fifth. I think it was, and you never saw a bunch of reporters scatter from one room in your life <laughs> like that because we knew what was going on. Oh yeah, I remember leaving the Ravens game because I was doing post game radio then. I no, I wasn't doing post game radio, but I went to that game. And word filtered over, and I went down to uh, Camden Yards. It was yeah. quite remarkable. Incredible. Uh, we're talking with um, uh, we're talking with our friend Adam Pohl, Bowie Bay Sox play-by-play voice. Uh, Adam, last night was the first night I got to see Zach Lowther pitch. Yeah. Uh, is that pretty much what you get? Because it was pretty – his control was a little off, but I was impressed with how dominant he can be. He really pounds – he really pounds the strike zone. Yeah, and last night was kind of an average Lowther start mm-hmm. in that uh, I thought he commanded his fastball very well last night, but he didn't command his secondary pitches as well as we've seen in the last two or three starts. That's been the major step forward for Lowther. I mean, it's pretty incredible, but he, I mean, he struck out six or more batters in his last 10 regular season starts. <laughs> That's an enormous number. And obviously he, he led the Eastern League in wins and strikeouts at the end of the season. I mean, he struck out 154 batters this year. So Lowther uh, really, really finished the season strong. And uh, last night, uh, you see that people can't square up his fastball. And that, yeah. that's the, the, the biggest advantage uh, that Lowther has in this game. He's, he's just got a fastball that people don't see or have a good feel for. What he started to do here late in the season is, is pitch like a, a classic tower pitcher would, meaning first time to the order, he throws almost exclusively fastballs. Last night, I think he had a 12-pitch first inning, and he threw 12 fastballs. And then the uh, second time to the order, he starts mixing in uh, the off-speed stuff. He throws the curveball quite a bit, a changeup, and uh and, and when he's got the secondaries working, that's when he really starts building up the strikeouts that second time to the order. And you know, you know, for a lot of starting pitchers, it's kind of the opposite. The first time to the order, they do well, and then they struggle that second and especially third time through. But Lowther, uh, with his approach, a lot of times he'll get hit a little bit more that first time through because he's throwing, you know, so many fastballs. Yeah, and you know, I I'm, I'm, I got a chance to listen and watch both of your calls. The Ripken home run and also Palmero's uh, big time hit down the right field line. Yes. Yes. Uh, 
Now, first of all, number one, we know Cal was there. Cal, uh, you know, Cal Senior. Cal. Cal, Cal. <laughs> Cal Ripken was there to watch the his Iron son. Man. The Iron Man. The uh, Iron Man to watch his son. But was uh, was was Raffy there at all or not? You know, I don't think he has now, but he's been at a ballpark quite a bit. This yeah, because I, I knew but, he was. One of the neat things about Raphael is that. You know, it was July 4th, and I knew that Palmero was going to be in the ballpark, and he would always sit in the seats yeah. know, just with the fans. And and, and I, I reached out to Preston before the game, and I said, look, Preston, it, it's going to be a sellout tonight, and I don't want your dad getting hounded. I'm going to save a spot in the press box for him. And he texted me back, and he said, thank you so much. I don't think he's, he need, he, I don't think he's going to use it, but thank you for the offer. And I just thought it, it's really been neat that Palmero – uh, has been uh, so giving to the Bay Sox fans. I mean, he, he's just out in there with them and talking to people throughout the night, and uh, it's it's been really really nice to see. Hey, he had a very solid season last year. At was it at Del Marva? Del Marva, yeah. He was at Frederick. Frederick. Or Frederick, Frederick. Yeah. yeah. The year, the year before, the before that before in Del Marva, he was really really. Yeah. Um, he struggled the first half of this season, but he had another big hit last night. Yes. Has he has has the light gone off a little bit? The light bulb gone off, and maybe the game is slowing down for him a little bit at this level. There's no doubt about it because teams were working him the same way. I mean, they were literally uh, pitching him soft in a way, and he was rolling over on a lot of balls, and so much so that they were uh, almost every team in the league was shifting on him. And, and uh, so even when he squared one up, he was hitting it into the shift, and he hit uh, you know even the 180s in both April and May. So and he was playing almost every day. So he had a really really tough start to the year. And a lot of times, you know, with that kind of thing, new regime, you don't know if a guy's going to get released or he's going to get sent down to Frederick. So it's really been great for uh, Preston Palmero uh, that he he perseveres. I mean, he hit 280 in the second half of the season. Obviously, hasn't hit for a ton of power uh, this year. He had five home runs, but uh, but he's done it by using the whole field, uh, and and it's just opened up the game to him. Now, when they've worked him soft away, he flicks it to to the you know to the opposite field, and uh, and all of a sudden now teams are playing him straight up, so he's getting many more pull base hits. And once again, you don't talk about this much with first base, but he is by far the best defensive first baseman yep. in this league. He saves so many errors. I mean, you don't see many throwing errors from, uh, from the Bowie infielders this year because he picks everything. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Adam, thanks for – I know uh, a lot of broadcasters uh, – Want to rest their voice? We appreciate uh, <laughs> you're putting your voice to this. So, uh, so we know. got an extra 15 minutes for you. <laughs> I love it. Let's go. Let's go. I'm excited. I'm excited. Actually, we're hoping to have uh, the Hall of Famer Jim Palmer on with us. Uh, he tweeted out last night. He's battling a very rare form of uh, shingles, uh, and, right. and not not, not in the fun. best of health. So, wish him uh, a speedy recovery today on the broadcast again. Adam Pohl, play-by-play voice of the, of the Bowie Bay Sox, been with us all year. Appreciate all the help getting us guests, your appearances on the show. Have a great play-by-play today. And, again, 3.05 up there at, what's it, FNB Park yes. in Harrisburg. FNB Field. It's right yeah, on the yeah, island, they call it, in, yeah. in downtown Harrisburg. And do me a favor and tell Preston I said hello, please. Will do. We'll, right. Happily will do. Thank you guys so All much. All right, Adam. Thanks. For Again, game time, 3.05 today. Still plenty of time for folks to drive to get up, up there. there. Yeah. All right.
Uh, Craig, let's talk about the Costas Inn. Why not? Uh, I was said, there last now, night. You said before that Pete basically does everything. Pete, Pete runs the show. And Nick, and Nick just takes the credit. takes the credit for <laughs> yeah. it? God, that's very vastly different than I thought. Well, I yeah. thought it was kind of that they both kind of put in 50, you know. Oh, they put in many, many hours. Yeah, I yeah. know. But, but but I thought they were like equal right. partners in running that place. Well, but he, you've put it into perspective. I put it into perspective. There's the crustaceanologist, and then and and then there's the guy that does, does everything, everything else. else. Right. All right. But anyway, Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you haven't been, get there. It's well worth the time. And trust uh, me, if you observe things, Nick still does a lot of stuff. Yes, he yeah. does. Yes, he does. They'll stick. Yeah, and then if he's behind the bar, for example, yeah, he'll, he'll come over to me drink. and he goes, he'll come over to me and he says, my God, they're making me work today. <laughs> anyway, uh, 4100 North Point Boulevard, great specials on the menu each and every day of the week. Crab cake night, Monday night. Right. Rib, Tuesday night, rib ribs night. night. Wednesday night, partnered with half-price bottles of wine is steak night. And then Thursday night is lobster night. Friday night, a whole host of... Of specials that Pete works on right. diligently and, through uh, the week. Until he, until he runs out of prime rib, then we get on him a little right. bit. But other than that, yeah. it's the greatest place to go for the best steamed crabs in Baltimore. And also, don't forget, you can get those tremendous Maryland crab cakes shipped anywhere in the country. Uh, just uh, talk to Pete about that, and uh, they'll set you up. And you can send them to family and friends that don't live in the area who miss the great Maryland seafood. And if you haven't had crabs yet this year, they've got them all year round. They do them Maryland style, but a lot of the crabs are from Texas and Louisiana. The Costas Inn, the phone number, 410-477-1975. Reserve your crabs in advance. Check out Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasInn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. In Birdland, summer looks a lot like strolling under the lights on Utah Street, diving into a juicy Boog's barbecue sandwich, snagging exclusive giveaways and tagging your friends to get theirs too saving big with kids cheer free or sipping on an ice cold brew on the budweiser roof deck while jamming out to the all-new birdland summer music series whatever gets you going this summer oriole park has you covered and all you need is your ticket be part of it all orioles.com Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports, with all of the big events on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more, with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. See them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit sliders today respect it's more than a word in the u.s army it is one of our core values earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad on the army team respect is earned daily and now in addition to earning respect you may earn up to forty thousand dollars in bonuses if you qualify to learn more visit goarmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY paid for by the u.s army 
KZ Kenzales here. I'm back, and I am fulfilling all of your fantasies. Well, your fantasy football fantasies, anyway. I'm with you for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. to help you set your lineups for all your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college football preview. On the cover, Brooks DeBose profiles Maryland football coach Mike Loxley, who finally got his dream job but faces a tough task. Plus, previews for Navy, Towson, Morgan State, and more as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at Press Box. Online.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. But I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. And I want to remind you that we are broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios. Uh, they've got amazing shows continue this uh this fall at the live casino hotel studio at, at the live casino hotel uh, tonight. And I want to remind folks tonight it's Norm McDonald. That's right. Funny man, Norm McDonald tickets started just twenty nine fifty, And that includes a $10 free slots play. Other shows coming to the live event center this fall include grand funk railroad, the rescheduled Boz skag show Kenny Babyface Edmonds, Gladys Knight, Michael Bolton, and more. For the best in entertainment, get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. I had to change uh, glasses, go from the readers to the sunglasses because the light in your head, and it's just it's a terrible thing. It's a good look for yeah, you. Thank you. It's a good look. All right. <laughs> I'd keep uh, it. The gl- fashion the, trend. The glare is just unbelievable. <laughs> All right, we are back uh, for the show. We you, are. You notice he didn't find the humor in that. You know, <laughs> I just don't. Uh, I put the shine on yeah. my head. Yeah, I, just, I don't have a lot of hair. All right, uh, that's like that's like the pot calling the kettle black. What's your point? Yeah. <laughs> so basically, you're not really funny, Craig. That's yeah, what well, he's saying. All right. Well, <laughs> I think he's very funny. Anyway. Um, we're expecting to be called in a couple minutes yeah. by the great Jim Palmer. Jim yes. Palmer tweeted out last night, and, I, and I've been texting him the last couple days because a, a mutual friend of ours, and you may remember the TV spots from back in the 80s with, with Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody, and yeah. And Jim Palmer, uh, Mr. Nobody, this, this week passed away after a, a fairly sustained period of illness. Um, he was a great guy. Great friend to the uh, Ravens, great greater friend to the Baltimore Colts, and like that, that, that sounds that, like that might be that Jim might be Palmer. yeah. All right, all right. There you there go. Is. Number twenty-two. <laughs> Number twenty-two. You in know what? Home. You know what Tom Davis always calls him. 
calls him the ace of class. There you go. Yeah, and that's how I always hashtag my tweets regarding Jim Palmer. And joining us now is the greatest pitcher, and I know it pains Craig Heiss. No, no, it doesn't. It does not pain Mike Messina's. It does not but pain the greatest pitcher in Oriole history, Jim Palmer. Jim, first of all, how are you doing with your battle of shingles with shingles? Well, the shingles it's a day weeks ago. It's just a. Apparently, the uh, you can get a viral doesn't happen very often a viral infection of your uh, spinal cord, which I have on the left side. And um, thanks to uh, Sean Curtin, one of the interns for the Orioles, and Mike Jacobs, he said just don't look well. I had lost some weight and all that, so I took an MRI. And so I've just been dealing with that. And you know, you take a cyclovir, you take a kind of a drip. I was in the hospital five days, just pretty much doing the test to find out what was causing the symptoms. And again, because it's not that often that you see it, yep. you know, just kind of dealing with it. I mean, I feel fine. You know, I'm back to working out and all that. I just have to have a drip line in every eight hours, you know, to try to deal with the the viral infection, and hopefully that'll calm down. I mean, you always get what they call, uh, I think you had shingles, right, the post-herpetic had, yep, uh, neuralgia yep. where you're, you know, where you actually had it still hurts. But, you know, I'm sorry, I have to, I mean, I, if I did, could you know, if I could take the drip line with me, I mean, I, there's no reason why I can't broadcast. It's just that apparently I need to fit, find out what's doing that. And then, you know, a little bit of numbness on my left side, which, again, I could think could be this myelitis, which is, again, the affection of the spinal cord. But yeah. the suggestion is when you get over 60, yep. my doctor down in Florida never told me to take the vaccine. Yep. Yep. Talked to Jim Cott today. He, he, you know, he's a little bit older than I am. I, and I said, well, you want more games and you're smarter because he got the vaccine. So you just don't <laughs> want to mess around with it. It's just a, it's, you know, it's, it's annoying if you just get that. But if you happen to get the more advanced, uh, you know, viral infection, um, I mean, it's, it's just something that's a little bit harder to deal with. It's the worst, ex- worst medical experience. I've been through three fairly significant surgeries, nothing life-threatening. But uh, the shingles was the worst medical experience I've ever had. And I urge anybody out there that knows that they've had chicken pox, to get the shingles vaccine and the new vaccine. I had the old vaccine about four and a half or five and a half years ago. The new vaccine came out and I checked with my doctor and he said, yeah, you should get this. And it's two different shots, like four or five weeks apart. And now Jim, I believe they probably told you, you got to wait a year now. I think exactly. from shingles yeah. to get it. See, I just never remember having a chicken pox, yeah. you know, maybe in, in, you know, in talking to, infectious disease doctors, neurologists, and things like that, uh, you know, they said you might have had it and didn't know it. So it, yeah. it is what it is. Hey, um, you know, the first 72 years were pretty good. This one, maybe not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> not so good. <laughs> you know, it's interesting when the the doctor and Sean Curtin told you you didn't look good. Craig and I have that pretty much 365. Yeah, pretty much. Day. People tell us that all the time, Jim. <laughs> no, 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 guys. That was a relative term, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Hey, uh, your thoughts on uh, Mike Mussina going into the Hall of Fame? Craig's been well. We all just, know he deserved yeah. to get in there. He pitched in the steroid era. He pitched, uh, uh, even though they did bring Greg, probably orchestrated them getting the walls back that one year to try to get him to stay here. <laughs> um, he was a very, 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 very good pitcher. You know, won all the Gold Gloves. Um, you know, pitched um, about as well as you could pitch. I always thought he was as good a pitcher as I was. I mean, he didn't pitch as many innings because the description changed, but. Um, you know, but just gifted, smart, um, probably made adjustments in game as well as anybody else. And uh, I, it's, it's funny when you're on the committee, you know, it, he wasn't the first uh, on the veterans committee, but 
you know, Tommy John came up. You know, I, like I said I talked to Jim Cott. I think he won 283, four, five, six wins. Tommy John won 288 or six or something like that. And they go, well, he didn't have that many good years. I said, do you have any idea how hard it is to, to win 280 games or, in Mike's case, 270 games in that era when guys are walking up to home plate all juiced up and all that kind of stuff? So uh, I'm glad he got in. He deserves it. And, um, you know, whether, you know, if you look at his career, obviously it was about equal as far as, you know, where he played his games. But um, I wish that um, they they would have been able to extend his contract and he would have gone in um, as an Oriole and he would have played his whole career as an Oriole because he certainly would have helped this organization. That said, I think he made the right choice going in knowing that he played 10 years in Baltimore and yeah. eight with the Yankees. I think he did. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, and I, you know, a lot of times, you, you know, you do it, for, you make that decision, what hat you want to wear for the wrong reason and all that. So, but I think if you know Mike Messina, you know he's the voice of reason. So, um, but I liked him. I, you know, I called him to congratulate him because this year with all the stuff going on, uh, you know, actually had the shingles at that time, but I didn't know I was going to have it, but you know, with my wife's dad passing away and all that, I, I called him to congratulate him. And then I said, hey, I'm sorry I missed your first, uh, you know, the pitch you threw out of Camden Yards. I said, what was the spin rate on it? I was and just going to ask you about that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to ask you about that because you told that yeah, story. You say? told that story up in the press box. And when you said that to Mike, what did Mike say? <laughs> oh, he said, just don't get me going. You know, <laughs> he goes, do you get it? Do you get him out or don't you? Right. And, that's, and yeah. So, you know, that's it's the bottom line. You know, it's so interesting when we start looking. I was talking to, you know, a lot of people have really reached out since, you know, I mean, I don't want to make it a big deal, but, you know, people are, tw- you know, tweeting, why are you not doing the broadcast? And so my wife and I, you know, she doesn't help me. And we, you know, we just did a tweet basically to tell people that, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I feel fine. I mean, I'm wondering why your, you know, left side of your body's a little numb and that must be the myelitis or whatever. So we're going to get rid of that. But, but at the end of the day, um, uh, you know, you just, uh, so many people reached out, but Tim Kirchin, uh, you know, I was talking to him yesterday and, you know, we were talking about numbers and this and that and all that. And it's just, a, it's a different different game now, it seems like. And I'm, it, it'll be very interesting how, you know, because the Orioles have had some great stories this year. Yep. You know, whether it's Hans or Alberto, I mean, you know, he's walked, what, 13 times. He's right. hit 415 against lefties. You know, he's hitting 321 collectively. But, you know, what are the numbers tell you if you're trying to, you know, build a, a, a you know, world championship or a, a division winning, you know, club, uh, you know, Santander, what a, what a year he's had, you know, he's got a center fielder. So it'll be very interesting to see how this ball club goes down the road. And I'm sorry, really, I'm missing most of the month of September because um, I thought we might see, you know, maybe some of the younger players coming up, but it's whatever the reasons they're not, you know, whether it's, you know, Mount Cass, like what I all had to see him. He has been into a Livingstown spring training two, three years ago, and and uh, pardon my dog here. Um, anyway, he, uh, you know, you know how good a bat he is, but you know, when he walked 20, 25 times all year or something like that. So it's you know there are new rules here in Baltimore. So it'll be interesting how they how they perceive you know players' value when they look at the total year and in what directions they want to go in. Hey, Jim, I, I mentioned this story earlier in the show today. Uh, I love Santander. In my mind, he looks like a piece, a significant piece for this club moving forward. But I'm always reminded to pump the brakes a little bit. I remember Floyd Rayford and Mike Young had amazing Junes till the end of the year in 1985. 
And in 1986, in early May, when I was critical of Eddie Murray not getting off to a great start, Earl Weaver came up to me one day on the field and said, do you think I really give a rat's ass what Murray and Ripken are doing right now? The guys that I'm afraid for or worried about are right over there. And he pointed to Young and Rayford, who never again look like the players they look like June through uh, September of 1985. Well, you're, you know, it's funny. I mean, if you went back and looked at Nick Marquez's start with the Orioles, um, not very good, and then, you know, got better as the season progressed. I think the one thing about, you know, Tony or Anthony said that there, he's been very consistent. You know, yeah. a switch hitter, so obviously that helps you, you know, with breaking balls. You, you know, they're not – it's a little bit more difficult. I mean, last night he hit the what the the two run home run on him, hanging breaking ball off of Burt. wasn't a very good pitch. You know, the same with Willie Calhoun hitting you know fastball down the middle and then hanging breaking ball off of Bundy. So when you get your pitches, do you hit them? I mean, if you look at Anthony, anytime you hit what two seventy four, three twenty, two seventy four, two eighty, when the league is trying to find you out, mm-hmm. you've been pretty consistent. I I think he's got a chance to even be a better hitter when he becomes yeah. a little selective because he does swing a lot of pitches and I think in early August he struggled with that but then you know he, he righted the ship so but you never know you know I mean with Alberto when you know when you're hitting 230 runners in scoring position is that because you swing at everything it's just I just don't know how you know and what Tim was saying you know it's hard everybody wants to put a number on something I just don't know about numbers anymore I mean I know numbers help you tell the story but did they really tell you the story? But you know, specifically to Floyd, Floyd Rayford, who's a terrific guy. Yep. You know, they were. You know, Cal and Eddie had, you know, unique swings. I mean, Eddie had a fabulous swing, switch hitter too. You know, Cal had what, as Brady said, seventeen different stances over the twenty years. But he had great hand-eye coordination. Mike Young, another terrific guy, but had a big long swing. Um, you know, time tells, and that's why you're right about that. I mean, that's yep. that's. That's the uh, the great thing about this game, where you know a guy puts up certain numbers one year. I always found out they take those, all those numbers away, and you have to go as they adjust to figure out a way to, you know, to be good or, or as better. And then when you play for Cal Ripken Senior, the, the thing he tells you every day, you're going to try to get a little better when you come to the ballpark. Jim, I know there's uh, obviously some pitching prospects in Delmarva and also Bowie, but uh, when I look at this Orioles rotation right now. Certainly John Means is a guy that is performing pretty well that I don't think that they thought they were going to get what they got out of him. Uh, I like what I see at times out of Wojo. Uh, How do you see this moving forward in in terms of whether or not, not that they're going to be a championship team or anything like that, but a more competitive team? Because, I mean, offensively, they're doing some pretty good things. Well, they're scoring about a half a run more a game than last year. Yeah. Now we know. I know they made some trades, and you know, the, the, you know, September after all the trades was not very good. Um, but you know, you, you kind of wonder with it, with the baseball the way it is. You know, I mean, I was kind of, they did move the fence back when they wanted Mike Messina to think about staying here as a free agent. I'm not sure that you might want to think about doing that again because of this park plays so small, so it's very difficult to pitch. I mean, you look at John Means. You know, he's got like a 285 ERA at home. Now, how I, how he's doing that is, you know, obviously a good fastball changeup and two other pretty good pitches. But I look at his lineup. He's had a couple of IL stints only because he, you know, he walks to the uh, to the right, comes back to the rubber, and then falls off to the right. puts a lot of pressure on your arm. I think they'll, in, you know, he did the work this year when he went to that Premier 3 throwing program. 
I mean, I, you know, Ray Miller would have him be a little bit more direct angle to home plate, probably take a little pressure off his shoulder. But so he needs to stay healthy. Uh, you know, Wojo, he can't throw, can't pitch ninety-one in the middle of the plate. That's all. You know, Means has more deception. Um, you know, when he's on his game, uh, Wojo has pretty good stuff. You know, Bundy mixes up his pitches. But when your ERI is five runs a game, you don't know. You know, it, it, it keeps you in games. He's able to pitch, but you know, pitch counts around eighteen. It just but see, when I look at means, Greg, what I see is okay. If I'm a young pitcher, I'm going. And you know, they, you know, the Orioles have a, a multitude of young left, you know, left uh, left-handed guys. I mean, you know, DL, DL Hall's a power guy. You know, Lowther and, and and well, I guess they can Keegan Aiken throws a little bit harder. I'd be going. What is, what what is he doing that I need to do? So, mm-hmm. um, it just and that just seems like you know because of guys struggling at the major league level, you're probably going to see some of these guys get an opportunity. And as you said, I mean, John Means said, I love the fact that you know I wasn't my good friend Bubba Starling and number one draft choice. I could kind of work my way through the minor leagues, do what I needed to do, you know, make adjustments, get a little bit better every year, you know, go from one rung to the other. Then all of a sudden, I get a chance. Because, you know, that's how I got my chance. My second year in the big leagues, everybody got hurt. You know, you yeah. 15 games went, went later in a World Series shutout. You go, okay. You know, and then of course I would hurt my arm. So, uh, and you know, miss a couple of years. But you learn a lot of those things as you take those steps through the minor leagues. So, all I know is that it's nice to have a lot of prospects. But as Cal Ripken Senior used to say, "Boy, you're a suspect. You come to the big leagues and prove you can play." So. Hopefully they'll get the opportunity and they'll be able to take advantage of it. Hey, we're talking to my good friend Jim Palmer and another friend of mine, Steve Jeppy, is listening in. And he wanted me to ask you if you've seen Mike Soroka of the Atlanta Braves and what you think of him. Well, you know, he got hurt last year, but this year he's been terrific. Um, but, you know, here's a guy that changes speeds, pitches to both sides of the plate. Uh, great windup so he can repeat it. You know, he throws 93-94, good change-up, good breaking ball. Um, you know, and he plays on a real good team. I mean, you know, the, the Braves, you know, as good as the, the Nationals have played the second half of the year, the Braves have just been more consistent. You know, yeah. they lost Marquecas, what, about a month ago? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. So, you know, and we played down there last year. It's a pretty big ballpark. Uh, you know, they can go get the balls. You know, Swanson is a terrific defensive shortstop. Uh, you know, they made some nice, you know, I, 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 they went out and, you know, got some veteran guys, even though, you know, that some of them had some injuries or whatever. But, you know, they're, they're going to win the American or the National League East division back-to-back years. And they didn't really spend a lot of money. I mean, they did, you know, mm-hmm. they went out and got Donaldson. I think he hit his 35th home run. So, um, Alex Anthopoulos, he really knows his deal, you know, yeah. what he did. And he didn't overreact because apparently they have a lot of good young pitchers that went out and signed Keiko short term, see if maybe that'll turn into a long term deal. That's a lot of pitchers easier to pitch in the National League. He won last night, pitched six shot on him. So it's a good ball club. And, and Soroka, he, he, yeah, he can pitch a little bit. And, and the key for him, of course, last year had a little bit of, a, you know, physical problems. This year he stayed healthy and, yeah, he, he's going to help him in the playoff, and he's going to help him for years to come. Jim, let me ask you this. In terms of the Nationals, uh, obviously they've got the two-game lead over the Cubs for the wild card, and really it would behoove them to get that game at home if they can, providing they get the top spot. Uh, but we saw Strasburg in the first game of that Brave series 
pitched well enough. Not a lot of offense from the Nationals. Uh, they only scored two runs. They didn't get a three-run homer until Ryan Zimmerman hit one last night in the eighth inning. But they were down 4 nothing. But, uh, you know, you look at uh, uh, what Patrick Corbin was able to do last night. Pitched well enough to win. Didn't get a whole lot of run support. Uh, with Max Scherzer, the next start he'll make will be tomorrow night yep. or tomorrow afternoon in game four of that series. And I'm thinking you're probably going to see him turn loose a little bit more. He's had pitch counts of 71, 89, and 90 So since he's come off the IL. I mean, this to me is the key guy. This is the one that they need to have if they're going to get where they want to go. Well, he beats anybody that, you know, if you have to play a, a one-game wild-card playoff, who, who, you ever going to bet against Scherzer? No. It's like it's like betting against Kurt Schilling in a big game. Yeah, right. uh, you know, I mean, that's just you just didn't didn't lose a whole lot of those. So you know, again, I mean, you just have to play well. And you know, I mean, they get some really nice young players. I mean, Soto, you know, Magic Juan Soto. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, what a great hitter. And you know, I mean, Rendon can play. I mean, they got a nice team. You know, Trey Turner, and they, you know, he was hurt early. You know, that they're nationally better than I do. But you know, so they've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations. You know, they they've helped their bullpen. I mean, you know, even though uh, Doolittle struggled, like he had, some, he was what had a knee problem or whatever. So, you know, the bottom line is you want to get to the postseason. The, the other bottom line is you want to be healthy to get there, and you want everybody to, you know, be able to participate. But I would feel very comfortable from Dave Martinez if I get to say, you know, what who's going to start the wild card game is going to be. Max Scherzer. I mean, is, is there any better pitcher in the National League over the last five years? I don't think so. Yeah, we're talking with Jim Palmer, and uh, again, want to remind folks out there, Jim is dealing with the uh, the throws of a bout of shingles. It sort of passed, but he had a very rare form of it. Uh, if you have had chicken pox, we urge you to talk to your doctor about getting the new shingles vaccine. Very important. Very important, especially. If you're over the age of say 55. Well, you know what's amazing though, Stan, is that you. I mean, I was in the grocery store the other day, and you know, they have a nice wine section out here in California. And I said, uh, I was talking to the wine guy, Tom, and he said, he said, hey, I, you know, I heard you were a little bit under the weather. I said, yeah, you know, that got a reaction from the shingles, and you know, I got a viral infection of my spinal cord. He goes, I got it seven years ago, and I can still feel it. So mm-hmm. it's something that hopefully the vaccine can help you from getting. Yeah. You know. And again, I mean, some people get mild cases. I just figured, okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. You know, I did. You know, I got it on a Friday. Did the Boston series. Went to you know, went to Arizona. Went to California. You know, both in Anaheim and San Diego. Went to New York. Whatever. And I, I was fine, except that every once in a while you get what they call myelitis, where it actually gets into your spinal cord, and that's. But then, if you don't get it, <laughs> you don't. It doesn't be going into your spinal cord. So, right. again. You know, think about getting the vaccine when you can. I, I hear it's kind of difficult to get, but certainly something I think you need to think about. Yep. Hey, Jim, uh, using the same path of discussion we had about Santander and comparing his 2019 to Floyd Rayford and Mike Young in, two th- in back in 1995, I want to ask you a question about Dylan Bundy. We've seen the body of work that he's been able to, to put up. Um is it too late for Dylan Bundy to still be a very good pitcher that could consistently on a good team win 13 to 15, 16 games? Or is the die cast and he sort of is what he is? Well, 
I know Doug Brokaw has really tried to, you know, get him a little more upright. He's, you know, him, he's a big guy. He's, coming mm-hmm. he's not tall, but he's big. So I think a lot of times, you know, again, you know, with all the dynamics of, you know, spin rate and trying to backspin the ball and, you know, staying on top of your, your, your breaking ball, you know, which makes it more effective because you're able to stay behind it. Um, you know, using your front side to get, you know, maybe a little more uh, arm speed. I'm just surprised. I mean, it's funny, the Dodgers are coming to, to, to Baltimore. I mean, home run derby starts on Tuesday when they come into <laughs> Camden, Camden Yards. I was doing the over and under with Tim Kirchin. He said uh, 13. I go, I'll go 14 to 16 home runs. Only because they're, you know, the ball's flying and they're a really good hitting team and so on and so on. But I still remember, you know, in your mind's eye, I remember Bundy coming in an extra inning game out at Dodger Stadium. Yep. We were throwing 94 to 97. And, um, you know, that was, what, three years ago, I guess, or maybe four years ago. But I'm surprised. And I know he had the Tommy John, but I saw him throw 94, 97 after that. I know, you know, I, he had the shoulder, you know, whatever, bursitis or whatever it was, but he threw 94 to 97. I'm surprised that his fastball velocity has dropped as much as it has. And, you know, you look at it, probably his average fastball is 91, maybe, 90, 90 and a half. Well, the major league fastball... I'm not sure this is true about starters, is around 93. So he's a little bit below that. Does have a very good slider. He's used his curveball split change-up's pretty good. But in Camden Yards, and again, this is not a real good defensive club mm-hmm. that the Orioles put out there. I mean, they don't have a center fielder. Right. Stevie Wilkerson, great guy and whatever, but, you know, he's yeah, not a guy you want to a... be a center fielder. Santander is not a very good center fielder. Now, I obviously, with Bumbery and Blair and, you know, Paul and eight gold gloves, you get a little bit spoiled. But I watch the game, and I don't know what the analytics tell you, but my eye tells me, hey, we need somebody that can play center field. Yeah. So that'll help you think. But this park plays so small. I mean, fly balls? I mean, I'd be a totally different pitcher pitching in Camden Yards with the 19, 2019 baseball. I mean, you'd have to throw more breaking balls. In 87, Mike Flanagan, he said, Cakes, you cannot pitch out, up and out over the plate anymore with the, with the baseball that was really live that year. So... Um, you know, I mean, Dylan, Dylan, Dylan's prepared. He works hard, you know, um, but I don't know. I, I just don't know. And, and the other thing, the bottom line, I mean, the, the Orioles are 46 and 95. They were, what, 47 and 115 last year. So mm-hmm. they're a little bit better. They're going to win more games, but it's not, it's not, a, it's, it's, it's not like going to, um, you know, to Houston where they're going to run down balls and they're going to make all the plays. You, you just don't have that kind of defense. So you, you, you just don't get the kind of defensive help that you would on clubs that yeah. um, are, are championship type. I mean, do you want to, you know, I know the Red Sox have had a tough year, too bad, because, you know, <laughs> they, they had their, their share of good things going on last year. Right. But which outfield do you want to pitch with? You know, the one they have yeah. up in Boston or here. And, and, and again, these are the things that, you know, Michael Elias is certainly aware of. I'm sure the analytics tell him that, that you need to catch more balls and you have to cut balls off and you have to, make the plays and then all of a sudden your pitching gets a little bit better and then you're more positive and then maybe you have sort of 18 pitches and then you're at 16 and a half because you don't have to make extra pitches because they didn't make the plays so you know uh, so again with all the guys i think they could be better i mean rojo talks about all the time he said i came out of the houston organization i saw springer i saw all these guys you know why'd they go get reddick mm-hmm. because even though he can be up and down with his bat He's, he can play right field yeah, so yeah or he can help you in the outfield. So it's just, you know, it's part of the process. You know, we'll get better players, and until you do that, you won't win as many games as you would like to. 
Jim, before we let you go, and we really appreciate your being on with us this morning, you and I, uh, and I know you were closer to him than I was, but uh, Mr. Nobody, Richard Samus, one of the uh, local iconic car dealer figures who was a huge sports fan, loved his Baltimore Colts, loved his Baltimore Ravens, and he loved his Jim Palmer. Uh, your thoughts on the passing of Richard Samus? Well, I've known Richard, I don't know, over 30 years, and, you know, we call him Uncle Richie, and, uh, you know, do you ever have a friend that if he asked you, you know, to do you a favor, you wouldn't even hesitate, you'd just go, yep. you know, he's ever going to ask you anything that would, would not be something you'd be willing to do, yep. or, you know, like, uh, you know, if you, if, if, if you didn't have a shirt, Richard would take the shirt off his back and give it to you. So we go back, I mean, so many years, and, uh, you know, playing golf. You know, when the sun's going down, because we used to live up at Chestnut Hill uh, Golf Course, and you yep. put the lights on, and, you know, he had the worst golf swing in the history of golf swings, but he loved <laughs> to play. I mean, he just, uh, you know, and uh, I mean, I just learned from, you know, it's funny how when you go through life, you learn certain things, whether it's from Kyle Ripken Sr. about, you know, work ethic and things like that. Richard always said, if it's not working, you're just going to work a little bit harder. And, uh, you know, when he lost his um, uh, daughter to leukemia, Diane, you know, and she was in remission and uh, she got an infection and she passed away within 48 hours, it was probably the most difficult thing in his life. Yep. And uh, But he lived through it. And, uh, you know, he was just one of those guys that you always could count on. And um, I think... Uh, I, 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 <laughs> It's, it's, it's I right. think anybody it's knew it kind of really, really. He was a very special person, lovable character, oh, and a really special person. And the work he did for the Leukemia Foundation, uh, his golf tournament was uh, really something else. Jim, I'll well, he just um, you know he just was a you know just was a guy. For, I mean, a, you know, a guy for all seasons. Uh, and uh, you know, he wasn't a bad car salesman either. No, he wasn't. All right, Jim, you weren't a bad pitcher either. That's right. Well, hey, no, I, we all had our moments, don't we? <laughs> hey, <laughs> thanks, thanks for being on with us, Jim. Oh, you're welcome. James I mean, Alvin, I'm take care of yourself, you. pal. Take I care was kind of looking forward to the uh, – well, I was going to do the, the Rangers, but I was kind of looking forward to the Dodgers. Because, yeah. you know, the people in Baltimore, they get to see, uh, you know, the best team in the National League. and uh, It's going to be an important series because, obviously, Houston, the Yankees, and uh, the Dodgers all are tied for the – you know, most amount of wins and right. home field advantage is huge when you get into the playoffs, as we all know. I'll tell you one thing: don't rule out the Minnesota Twins winning as many games as anybody. Their last thirteen games are against the White Sox, three, six against Kansas City, and three or four against the Tigers. Um, they might stumble into a hundred and two, hundred and three wins. So, so are you suggesting that instead of moving the Orioles moving to Nashville, they'll they'll move into the American League Central Division? Uh, Is that what no, I'm, I'm not thinking they're moving anywhere, Jim. Oh, they're not moving. I'm only joking. I know that. that. I know that. Yeah. Hey, love yeah, they you. need to move to another division. Uh, that that would help. That would help. Yeah. Hey, love you to death. Thanks for being okay. with us. All right. Good take talking to you guys. Take All care. Right. Have a good All weekend. Right. We have breaking sports news. Yes, sir. The Oakland Raiders have released Antonio Brown. Okay. Thank God. Not a not a big surprise after what. Uh, nope. Not a big surprise at all. Yeah. But as our good buddy Andrew Stetka, who we had on earlier in this yeah. program, said, Antonio Brown's going to go to New England, catch two touchdown <laughs> passes, and about eight tomorrow, ball, eight tomorrow. balls, eight balls for 121 yards in the Super Bowl, and nobody will bat an eye. <laughs> 
Hey, uh, we'll uh, be back. We've got uh, one final timeout here right now. And as a matter of fact, I've got to get a word in uh, about the latest Press Box print edition. It's our annual college football preview. On the cover, Brooks DeVos profiles Maryland football coach Mike Loxley, who finally got his, thank you, Craig, got his dream job but faces a tough task. Plus, previews for Navy, Towson, Morgan State, and more, as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Don't forget the Terps are on starting right now on ESPN Television. We'll be right back with a final word or two. Project Game Day is back as we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Pressbox's Ken Zalis, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners. Costa Sid, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like Pressbox on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports And watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. I like world-famous chicken. You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box Podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college football preview. On the cover, Brooks DeBose profiles Maryland football coach Mike Loxley, who finally got his dream job but faces a tough task. Plus, previews for Navy, Towson, Morgan State, and more as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at Press boxonline.com the smokehouse barbecue bacon sandwich has come to chick-fil-a nottingham square a boneless breast of chicken marinated with a special blend of seasonings and grilled for a tender and juicy backyard grilled taste served on a toasted buttered sweet yeast bun with colby jack cheese bacon hand tossed in a brown sugar and pepper blend and green leaf lettuce topped with zesty smokehouse barbecue sauce have it with their real lemonade and the famous chick-fil-a waffle fries for a late summer meal that satisfies nobody waits for food unless they choose to 
Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers the super fast service you count on. Dine in, drive through, or pre-order with your Chick-fil-A app, and it'll be ready when you get there. Plus, if you use the Chick-fil-A app, you automatically accrue points for free food. There's no better time for Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square than today. 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Catering available. Well, we are back uh, again. Let me set the table today. The Orioles will play the Rangers tonight at 7.05. What time's dinner? What do you mean? You said you can set the table. No, I meant set the table for sports fans. What's available More importantly, what are we making? Yeah, that's exactly right. What are we making? Don't get me started. I screwed up. uh, I'll I'll explain to you off the air. But I thought my (laughs) high school reunion was tonight, (laughs) and it's tomorrow night. Right. So I blew something else off, and now I'm trying to get back into it. But I don't know if it's going to work out. Anyway, uh, Orioles at seven oh five. Who's pitching tonight? Bundy. Bundy uh, is Bundy pitching. Bundy pitched last night. No, no. Bundy pitched last night. Right, so I don't know who. It, I think it's might Brooks. Be, might be Brooks. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, against the Rangers. Um, Nationals are uh, Nationals are in Atlanta. Seven twenty. Seven twenty tonight, and that's Voth is pitching. Yeah, Austin Voth because. Uh, uh, it turns out that Joe Ross wound up uh, coming up with some forearms tightness oh, God. Uh, in so his last bullpen, right, so right. they had to cancel that. All right, and Austin both pitches right. tonight and Scherzer tomorrow. tomorrow. Tomorrow is an afternoon it game. It is an afternoon game. Okay, and uh, remind you that if you're in the mood to see a neat event today, you still got plenty of time. It's noon right now. It only takes you a little over an hour from Baltimore Metro up to Harrisburg. 3.05 the start time on the island there at FNB Bank, FNB Park in Harrisburg. The Bowie Bay Sox are trying to clinch uh, their round of the playoffs. They would then go on to face the winner of Trenton versus Reading. Right. All right. Uh, and also, I was remiss. I told you that the Maryland game has just started. It's on ESPN. But also, NC Central is playing at Towson tonight at Johnny Unitas Field at 6 o'clock. So uh, you'll want to go out there and support Rob Ambrose's team. Ryan McGettigan will be there, correct? It's going to be fun to watch. I will be there. Brittany Everett will be there. Oh, my God. And, and there's and your favorite. Craig Heist will be there. Right, and there's a Flacco playing that most fans in Baltimore That's still right. have respect for. Anyway. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. All right. All Maybe right. we could talk well about said. that next week. Well said. Anyway. Although I do think my good buddy Ken Wyman yeah. probably – doesn't like Flacco at Towson just for general reasons. Okay. But does he like Joe Flacco? No. No, he doesn't like Joe Flacco. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up our show for today. Uh, and we'll see you next Saturday morning, 10 to 12. Like and share the show. And uh, from the Live Casino Hotel Studios, we are out.